This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with not Mark Weber. Dublin Mies. I'm here with Sean Anderson, filling in for the Mark Weber. Dublin Mies. Always got to dub them Mies. Always got to do it for Mark. I know that Mark said you're dubbing the E's because it's two E's, but I think we're still going to go with you can dub the E's because you got two E's in your name. Yeah, Sean and Anderson. Yeah. So Whereas, still dub them Mies. I know Mark was like, well, it's not that. It's because there's two E's in the, or it's the Mark Weber. I'm sorry, the royal the. Yeah, go follow Mark Weber on the. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Weber on Twitter. But I'm there sure. is a the Mark Weber. It's mm-hmm. the wrong guy. He's in Milwaukee. I thought he was in Br- No, that's John Jones. Yes. That's the other John Jones. We're not going to talk about this again because literally mm-hmm. last time I was on the podcast, we, did. we talked about this for we like the first about five minutes. We talked about the same minutes. thing, but we got a jam-packed show. And first off, the Outcast, I know you're watching. Brad, you can say jam-packed show. It's okay. This week on the Outcast, he said he's not going to say jam-packed show because... I guess it's my thing. It's not copyrighted. It's my thing. It's not copyrighted. You can say jam-packed show all you want, but we've got literally a jam-packed show because we're not bringing just three topics to you this week. We got not one, not two, not three, not four. Did LeBron make it all the way to five? Yeah, he, he said go, not seven. Five? Not like five. We don't have six or seven. We have five topics for you today. All NFL draft topics. Going to be looking at the Browns, the Broncos, the Packers, the Patriots, and then we're going to round things off with non-first-round sleepers, little non-first-round guys that we haven't talked about yet. Cannot wait to jump into it. Before we do, a little bit of housekeeping here at the beginning. If you love what you do, if we're, you're new to the channel, check it out. If you like what we're doing, check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. The Fast Break just had two patrons on. going to have one more on next week. The PTP is going to have Matthew on this month. It's going to be a great time. Check out how you can be like our other patrons and join podcasts down below in the description. Most Valid Podcast t-shirts also. You can get that link down below in the description. Mostvalidpodcast.com for NFL draft lovers. I put out a seven-round mock draft. I don't know how I did it, Insane. but I did it. You can check that out. Let me know what you think about your favorite team at mostvalidpodcast.com. Last but not least, you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Make sure to give the Onside Kick and all the MVP podcasts a five-star rating on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. But I got through the housekeeping quick, Sean, because we got, like I said, a jam-packed show talking all draft today. The first one I know that you're going to love because you love one of the guys we're talking about and you're going to say something. Well, and I also just love fighting with you. And I you feel do. like this is going to be a topic that we're going to have some I, disagreement on. I don't know if we're going to have a disagreement. I don't. Really? I don't. And we'll get into it in, right. right now. The question is, what should the Browns do at number one? This will be now the third and final time we talk about what the Browns should do. Because Mark and I talked about it way back when it was before quarterback. When it was like, ooh, could they go Saquon Barkley? Could they go a Bradley Chubb? Mm-hmm. Then we did it again where basically it was like, what quarterback are you picking at number one? Now it's who should the Browns take? Sam Darnold or Josh Allen? I know your answer, but who should they take at number one? Well, I mean, even one thing. I, I want to throw out a couple things. Mm-hmm. One, they could still go, as you mocked them with, in, in the live mock draft, they could still go with a Saquon, Saquon. Barkley or uh, a Bradley Chubb, and that's really coming out because on the Dan Patrick show, mm-hmm. he was talking to an NFL scout who said the Browns really like Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So if they feel like they and Paulie brought this up, they feel you know if they feel like they can get either Josh Allen or Baker 
at four, they can take a Chubb or Saquon mm-hmm. once. So, again, we don't know what the hell's going to happen on well, Thursday. And that's the fun part about this. And here's the thing. Like, and the scout thing was interesting because I listened to that because mm-hmm. you sent it to me today. Shoot you a text. And Dan Patrick made a great point where it's like when it's a scout – they don't have any agenda. Like, mm-hmm. a team's not feeding them information to hope that it gets out there. But the thing I hate about this week is whenever you hear news, take it with a grain of salt because you don't know if it's a team trying to create a smoke screen for another team. Like, the Colts, who we're not talking about this week, came out and said that, oh, the, 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 the thing that we did trading back to six shows that we have great confidence in Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Does it, or are you trying to create a smoke screen so that one of those quarterbacks falls to you at six? With the Browns, for me, I have heard for the longest time, when you ask Todd McShay, you look at all the experts, that they like Josh Allen. Now, draft week finally gets here. Now it's magically a 50-50 question. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a smoke screen by Cleveland or if they really are like, no, we do like Darnold. Or if it's like, hey, let's say we like Darnold. So if a team like the Bills, team like the Cardinals, a team like the Jets wants to trade up to get the number one pick. Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, with with the, that is, I, mean, I, I really like this because, again, it's building suspense towards mm-hmm. Thursday. Because, you know, sometimes we get like the Sam Bradfords that sign early because mm-hmm. they already know who they're taking. I like this. I like building up that anticipation. If the number one pick is traded again, uh, like uh, the Rams picked it up a couple of years ago, it's going to be crazy. Dave and I are going to go nuts on that live <laughs> show on Thursday. Um, Which so I it, forgot to plug. Check that out also, go. the live stream. Um, but really, it, it's going to boil down to if the Browns keep the pick, mm-hmm. who are they going to take? And, you know, we, we could throw Baker in there, but I feel like we've heard so much about Allen, like you said, before this, and now Baker's th- being thrown in here randomly because I think the Dolphins like him. Uh, they might trade up to, to, the to Jets two to get him. apparently em. really like him. Yeah, and the Dolphins want to jump the Jets. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea, uh, you know, the, the thought with Baker. So maybe the Cleveland Browns are trying to play to that. Um, but again, I, I agree with you. I think we're looking at two quarterbacks here. Either what most people think is the number one quarterback, Sam Darnold, or the big, strong arm quarterback that we know John Dorsey likes to select um, in Josh Allen. And again, when looking at this, I've kind of yelled at you on the live <laughs> mock draft about this when you went with Saquon number one. The Browns need a quarterback. They desperately need one. They've never had a quarterback in my lifespan. They moved to Cleveland in 1999. They didn't have one. They haven't had one since. I mean, the only one that was somewhat decent was, had my last name, Derek Anderson, mm-hmm. back in 2007, 2008. Um, and even before then, it was like Bernie Kosar was the last great quarterback. And number one, Brown should not be looking to trade this pick. They should be looking at a quarterback. And to me, it's a clear pick. It's Sam Darnold, because this guy has everything that you need. He's got the body, he's got the leadership ability, he's got a great arm, and he's got athleticism. I think he's a great leader. He's not my number one quarterback, but Mm -hmm. I understand why people have him number one, and there's a reason he's the number one consensus quarterback, and I also think he's a a better fit in Cleveland than my number one quarterback in Josh Rosen is. So looking at it, I think Sam Darnold is absolutely clean, cut, and ready to take over Cleveland. Um, And the one thing that is nice about him, and he said this on the Tiki and uh, Tierney show, uh, on CBS Sports Radio today is that sitting his freshman year as a red shirt at USC really helped him understand the game, really helped him adjust to college. And he's going to be somewhat redshirted now that the Cleveland Browns have Tyrod Taylor for a year. So I think that this is going to be a perfect situation because he's a leader. Mm-hmm. You need that in Cleveland. You need to be able to be a leader in that locker room, and you need to be a, f- uh, a face that the franchise can lock onto, kind of like Joel Embiid in uh, Philadelphia. They were able to lock onto that face and really grow up that fandom again. 
They were able to trust the process. I think Sam Darnold brings that face. I think he brings that leadership. And then I think he's also going to be in the right situation where he's not going to feel a ton of pressure because he's going to be able to have a year learning under Hugh Jackson, that offense, and Tyra Taylor, and be able to get adjusted to the situation. The thing I hate about this year is that I don't hate any of the top, any of the top five quarterbacks. I don't hate them. I disagree. Like, obviously, <laughs> like, if I had to choose, like, if you're saying who's the one guy of the top five that I wouldn't draft, it'd be Josh Rosen because I don't want that anywhere near my team. What do you mean? Um, he's a guy who's pro-ready. I don't want any of the the things we're hearing about what his do you mean personality about that? and everything. What do you mean about that? The I don't want someone who's going to be condescending to his teammates. I don't want somebody who – I hear that and I think I didn't hear bad that teammate. All. Well, that's one of the things that Jim Mora was saying. No, no. Like he, said, Ma- he said he was a millennial and he said that yeah, he and asked Todd questions. McShay, had also said that also, that if you ask coaches that they say like a little condescending towards the receivers where it's like mm. you run a bad route, it's kind of looking down at you, kind of giving you a condescending um, response. Though, the looking kid. at how he can play, if I'm sitting there and he's the top quarterback on the board, I wouldn't be like, no, I'm not going to draft him. He screams, n- not athletically, Mm-hmm. But he screams Aaron Rodgers in ways. I mean, Aaron had a better, has a yeah, stronger personality arm and stuff. Wise. Personality wise, mentality wise, I, I think he's uh, you know a, a fairly he's good a guy passer. you're I'm either going to love him or he's going to rub you the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, I'm not going to say you know he's Aaron Rodgers because yeah. people will kill me. Um, you know, no, when it comes he's to Matt an, Ryan. when it comes to an athletic and uh, arm talent, but mm-hmm. I, I see a ton of Aaron Rodgers in him. Um, and and again, you, your quarterback needs to have a personality. Mm-hmm. He needs to have something that really makes him a leader and stands out. And at least you know. Leaders are either loved or hate, so mm-hmm. I, I hate it. I, I love Rosen. I, I think he's he's phenomenal. So I, I don't know. I don't buy into the whole personality stuff. But out of the two, if I'm going Darnold or Allen with the Browns, mm-hmm. I have to agree with you that they should take Sam Darnold because the two things that I've been sitting at, when if you guys listen to the mock draft that we did, I told Mark and I told you guys these first two picks are kind of predictions. At that time, all I've been hearing is that Josh Allen's the one that the Browns like. All right, you like a guy, take him. All I heard up to that point is the Giants love Sam Darnold. Well, if Sam Darnold's available, they would take him. Mm-hmm. However, then you get to the live draft, you might be asking, well, Ricky, then why didn't you take Sam Darnold if you were the Browns? Like I said on that one, I'll take the non-quarterback. Me, personally, I like all the quarterbacks. I'll get who I'm stuck with it for. But if I'm the Browns, you need a guy, like you said on the live mock draft, you need to change the jersey. You can't be adding names to that quarterback jersey that is now retired. I go with Sam Darnold because after watching his film, I thought he was accurate, had pocket presence, had instincts in the pocket. Only thing I didn't like was his mechanic and ball security, which you can teach. And to me, watching him, he kind of looked like, with his arm motion and everything, mm-hmm. looked like a taller Russell Wilson. I think one thing, too, with with Darnold, and I know people bring up the fumbles, uh, not only the ones that he lost, but also just the mm-hmm. amount of fumbles that he had, uh, and, and then the turnovers. The turnover, the, the, you want to know how you fix that, though? Sorry. You want to know how you fix fumbles? You just teach him to put two hands on the ball. That's all you got to do. Make him walk around uh, yeah. Paul Brown Stadium. It's the same the Try same thing, like when you look at Carson, I think it was Carson Wentz's Gruden quarterback camp. Mm-hmm. The thing that Gruden harped on him for was keeping two hands on that ball when he was running. And I think it's something that, you know, it, it could definitely be detrimental. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're talking in late game situations, something that's super detrimental. Um, but again, I didn't see huge collapses. When, when the game was on the line, I did mm-hmm. not see him collapse 
in those ways. I, I, but, I mean, look back like, to the Texas game that went to overtime. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, there, there was definitely those mistakes, and you got to fix the fumbles. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, the fumbles weren't a massive problem like they were in his, well, technically freshman year, mm-hmm. like they were his sophomore year. Um, so, again, I, I think it's something that it, it can be worked out of him. And if that's the biggest problem, I mean, we've seen, you know, quarterbacks overcome the turnover problem where if Josh Allen isn't able to hit any of my receivers, mm-hmm. then that's a, a bigger problem. I mean, Dar- Darnold's been. Well, because you think Allen's going to be a bust. I think he's going to be a massive bust. And, and this is not only based on what I've seen. I understand that he's got the biggest arm ever. He's mm-hmm. got a rocket attached to his arm. He's um, also mobile and he's a good athlete, too. Yeah, but I, like, like we he, heard this about Brock Osweiler. Too. Like, I mean, watching his film, I'm not saying that he is, but he. He showed me a lot of th- similar things that Big Ben can do for the Steelers. Not necessarily I'm going to get mobile to gain yards, but, hey, I'm going to extend the play, and I've got big size where I can see over defenders to see guys down the field. And one thing, too, you I mean you hear a ton about, uh, you know, I mean, everything that comes out about him, um, at least when it comes from, you know, uh, John Brankis had him in the sports science room, and he was like the only guy to hit a bar 35 yards away. Mm-hmm. Trent Dilfer was saying that he's an animal in the the, the film room. Uh, Josh Allen is, uh, again, like I haven't heard anything bad said mm-hmm. about Josh Allen's personality or anything like that. I have nothing against him. I still, you know, again, I'm not rooting against any of these kids. Yeah. I just think that if you are not completing over 60% of your passes, and you don't have that extra element like a Lamar Jackson does, Mm -hmm. and he's also not hitting these guys for massive gains. He's completing uh, all of his attempts that he completes are under seven yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. You look at Darnold's passing, uh, his yards per attempt were 8.4 and 8.6. Allen, over consistently, uh, sorry, it went down from uh, his freshman year was 8.5, only played two games. Uh, then his sophomore year, 8.6. Then he fell down to 6.7 in his last year. That worries me right there. I, I, I think that it's something that is should be a massive red flag. Um, I, I get he's got the big body. He's got massive arm strength. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I worry about how he will do in a step up of competition, not playing in you know Wyoming and going up against NFL-ready players. And also, you know he'll have better weapons. He'll have a better offensive line. But how would he react? I think Josh Allen would be better in a situation where he's on a better team rather than a team like Cleveland well, where he's going to be looked at as the guy. And I feel like if he's looked at the guy in Cleveland, he's going to be another jersey on the list or name on the jersey. Josh Allen is a guy to me where he screams to where I almost want to say Aaron Rodgers in the sense, I know you compared him to Josh Rosen in a sense, but I think Josh Allen needs the Aaron Rodgers treatment of – hey, we're going to sit you for a year, maybe even two years, probably a year if you're going to Cleveland. Let's be honest, Tyrod Taylor's not probably going to last two years for you as the starter. I think he needs to sit. I'm not saying he's going to come in and be your starter day one, but the things that I saw watching him was like I put down his strengths. He's got good size. Obviously, that arm talent that we talk about, that arm strength. He's mobile. He's a good athlete. The two things that were weaknesses was, yeah, the accuracy, but I wonder if the completion percentage was also low because there were also decisions to where it's like his decision-making on the field was not what you would expect, not what you would want. So Mm -hmm. first off, are you looking at it to where, huh, maybe that completion percentage was down because he was some of those passes, he's just making the wrong decision, and as a coach— could you sit there and go, you know what, 
I can teach him to make those better decisions. And he's got the head on his shoulder to do it. Mm -hmm. We just got to get that going, and that'll improve that completion percentage. And I don't disagree with that that mindset Mm -hmm. at all. I mean, if you're thinking that way that, hey, we can fix this guy— I understand, but that. you got to feel like he's the but right fit for your team. At number one overall, mm-hmm. you you like it, it, it's too much of a gamble there. Mm-hmm. Like with Darnold, he fumbled twelve times last year, lost nine of them. Again, we talked about that. You can fix the fumble problems. I think most of the time he's very loose with the ball in the pocket, trying to make plays, running around. He gets hit from behind. He doesn't have that second awareness. If he has a better offensive line, he's going to get pressured less. Mm-hmm. You now he's going to Cleveland, so it's going to be a little difficult to say that he's going to have a great <laughs> offensive line. Uh, but still, unless they I, draft some this year, they got numerous picks. But also, I mean, you're going to put a rookie. Well, they'll be second year players mm-hmm. if we're saying he's going to be sitting behind Tyrod. The point is, I'd rather be fixing fumble problems mm-hmm. than read problems. And you look yeah. at Allen's, uh, you know, games against big name, uh, you know, uh, opponents this year or last year. Iowa, we know Josh Jackson on the outside, ball hawk, nine interceptions, going to be a first round prospect. He went 22 of 40, 57.5 percent. Percentage, uh, completion percentage, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Then Oregon. Oregon, not a great team this year, mm-hmm. but still Pac-12 team, 9 of 24, 35.5% completion percentage. No touchdowns, one interception. Then we go to the uh, Boise State game. They lost 24 to 14, 12 to 27, 44% completion percentage, one touchdown, two interceptions. You're going up against the three biggest opponents you played this year. All three of them losses, under, well under 50%. Completion percentage. You have one touchdown to what I think it was uh, five interceptions. Mm-hmm. Like that screams a problem to me. And again, if you work on him, then I understand. And I understand that if he gets drafted by Cleveland, he'll have a year to work under Tyrod. Cleveland, will you have enough time to work on him to what you need? Bingo. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's the thing. Allen again. If he's a monster in the film room, I think that he has the ability to be a good quarterback. But he needs that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that Darnold. Um, he doesn't technically need that time. It's going to benefit him if he does have that time, but I think he only needs that one year that he'll have in Cleveland mm-hmm. rather than Allen, who needs two or three years to probably so be if a, you're a Allen, true starter. If you're Allen, go to a New York because Eli's there. Yeah, And it would be I, I almost so. the exact same thing as, like I said, with Aaron Rodgers. You're sitting behind, now Brett Favre, I'm going to say mm-hmm. bigger legend than Eli Manning. I'm sorry, Giant fans, but... Who has more rings? I mean, yeah, well, I mean, Eli's got more rings, but Brett Favre is a Brett joke. Favre. Yeah. Um, but it could almost be the same thing. Now, here's the thing I'm thinking. You know how I said earlier how this week a bunch of stuff could be smokescreen. If, let's say, the Browns, let's say they're still going to go with Allen, because the weird thing about the Browns, not really weird, but they've kept everything close to the vest. And I think about something that Colin Cowherd said way back when, like, LeBron in the first, like, whole where is he going to go came out. And there was a little snippet of about, like, news coming out that LeBron could go somewhere. And Cowherd said, when you think about someone, the only way it gets out is if somebody wants it to get out. Like, if LeBron wants it to get out, that's how it gets out. Mm -hmm. What if the Browns are doing the same thing? They've kept everything close to the vest, but what they're going to do, not many people know what they're going to do. Now, all of a sudden, you see, like, the McShay thing. Oh, I'm hearing it's... Darnold or Allen, are the Browns doing that because they want to get that Darnold thing out because they want to get teams to trade up because Pro Football Talk has a report here that the Bills, one of the teams that could need a quarterback, unlikely to trade up to two. Mm-hmm. So if they're unlikely to trade up to two, how how likely are they to trade up to one? And will the Cleveland Browns just be stuck with taking their option, which could be Josh Allen? Well, I think the biggest 
fear of these teams, too, is they don't want to fall from 1 to 12. And I know mm-hmm. the Browns is a different situation since they have that fourth pick, but that drop for the Giants from going to 2 to 12, mm-hmm. you're taking yourself away from one of these you know top three uh, you know studs like mm-hmm. uh, Nelson, Barkley, or Chubb, yeah. and you're also taking yourself out of you know one of the top five quarterbacks, um, or you know at least one of the, one of the top two quarterbacks. Um, and then with Cleveland, you do have that fourth pick, but again, you're taking yourself away from your, the choice of your quarterback at one, and then either Barkley, Chubb, or Nelson. So I mean, or Denzel Ward even as well. So I, I just feel like you know while the Bills have that opportunity to trade up or you know any team does I just feel like it's ultimately not going to happen and Cleveland's going to be taking their guy mm-hmm. and I think also with these whole reports thing you know with all these reports coming out about you know the the Browns wanting uh, Darnold or or, or Baker, same thing with the Bills oh we're not going to trade up to two we're not going to do that and then they can end up doing it I think one thing though is let's also think about the motivation of these mm-hmm. reporters as well. You know, I mean, you know, Dan Patrick this, coming out and saying that stuff about Scout. Yeah. I think that stuff is, is, is fairly legible because— This one was reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL.com. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to say, like, he's demanding mm-hmm. clicks, but let's look at the Schefter report about Brady. Mm-hmm. No one asked Brady. He he didn't go out and say, oh, you know, Tom Brady's not playing in 2018. Mm-hmm. He didn't extend out to Brady and be like, hey, Brady, are you playing? It just took to, until today for them to reach out to Don Yeo, mm-hmm. the agent for Brady, and said it's most likely that he will play. So it's something where I feel like when there is the room for a story, mm-hmm. and Cleveland's not going to come out and deny that this is true or false because they're trying to keep close to the vest, mm-hmm. they can co- go out and say, oh, it's Baker, or it's uh, Darnold or, or Allen, mm-hmm. because we've heard that before. They're just going off of other unnamed sources. Mm-hmm. So, again, I understand that whole thing about you know, LeBron with, you know, if he wants it to get out, it can get out. But I also feel like there can be fabrication yeah. just because of what people want to hear oh, and, and in, pushing a narrative. And in this case, there is, because it's like, I'm not saying that, like, for example, in Rappaport, like, it's not like something like he is an alternative motive. It's the team. The team could be like, hey, let's tell, let's tell him that we're thinking about this, even if we're not, just to get people thinking that way so we can blindside them because like it says here that they the bills aren't expected to climb up to the second spot but they will pull the trigger on four or six so colts or broncos two teams that could drive their four four would be cleveland five or six okay if um a quarterback slips to five or six yeah i just think that again i'm not i'm not saying anyone's fake news out here Mm -hmm. but i'm just saying like there is the possibility of fabricating a lot of smoke screens yeah fabricating or taking those smoke screens Mm -hmm. and then taking it a different direction i just i think that you know again with with reporting how much we do not know Mm -hmm. also leaves the room to take it anywhere you go because you don't have any definite uh, information that's saying, all right, Cleveland has these three guys on the board, and that's it for the number one over pick. And it's Darnold Baker, uh, it's uh, Darnold Allen and uh, Saquon. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, we don't have that insight. And unless the Browns want to come out and reveal that, we're not going to know. So I, again, we're not going to know until Thursday when this comes out and happens. I think when it all comes down to the the fact, though, Sam Darnold, since he was pretty much a freshman, has been slotted as the number one pick in this draft. And to me, nothing's really changed from that freshman year to sophomore year. I know his stats went down a little bit. Completion percentage went down. More fumbles, more interceptions. He also lost his number one weapon. That line got significantly worse at USC. I just feel like Sam has been kind of groomed to be the number one overall pick. And with all of these guys from from my life span of, of following the NFL draft, Sam, uh, Sam Bradford, Matt Stafford, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, 
Um, really, the only question marks were uh, uh, Mariota and mm-hmm. uh, Jameis, who was going to go one two there. I would, I would even say though, like after being drafted, even though you could love or hate Jameis, I know I'm not a huge Jameis fan. At least the Buccaneers aren't going. Hey, we need a new quarterback. No, but what I'm saying is like it was pretty clear going yeah. into those draft who the who's number one, one guy yeah. was. So if you know Darnold goes number mm-hmm. one on Thursday. I don't think anyone's going to be shocked at all. That's no. that's the thing is where if Allen goes number one overall, people are going to start to question that mm-hmm. pick because of the uh, completion percentage, because of the competition he was playing, of what he did in big games, because he's just another big arm, and also because Cleveland's taking him. I think if Cleveland takes Sam Darnold, again, it's going to be, oh, ha-ha, Cleveland's a quarterback, mm-hmm. he's going to be a bum, but also that is the one that's going to cause the least amount of controversy because people have been expecting that pick for two years. And again, I think he's primed for the position, great leader, He's been in a massive market in L.A. He's been primed for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. He's known at some point, because he said he doesn't like to read in mock drafts, but at some point he's seen a mock draft, mm-hmm. and he's seen his name at number one. I can't one. wait for three years down the line when someone hands him what someone wrote about him for the mock draft. Mm-hmm. Probably Dan Patrick. Yeah. Here's what I want to end with before we move on into the Broncos. Give me who the Browns should take. Your definite answer, although you've probably done it before. Your definite answer of who they should take, and then what will happen. If that will happen or if something else will happen. This is going to be super boring, but mm-hmm. I think they should take Sam Darnold, and I think they will take Sam Darnold. I think, I mm-hmm. think again, the will take might be a little bit different just because, again, if the reports are true and they love Josh Allen, I, I can't really go out and criticize them mm-hmm. for picking Josh it's Allen. It's really me asking, do you see it as a smokescreen, or really are they thinking between the two? I That's think it, what the will yeah, they is. I think it's Darnold Darnold, but mm-hmm. again, I'm not going to be shocked about Allen because I've been saying this since the Bears took Trubisky. If you love your guy, go, go out get and him. get him no matter what it takes. Mm-hmm. So if you love Josh Allen, again, John Dorsey has been hired as a GM, and I haven't. So if he thinks that is the guy to lead Cleveland out of this darkness, then go and take him. I am going to be critical of that pick. But I, I and and but again, I can't say that you know it, it, you I can't blame him again mm-hmm. for taking that because that's your guy in your mind. So I think they should take Sam Darnold. I think they will take Darnold, but I think it's probably seventy five percent to take Darnold, twenty five percent to take Allen. Before I give my answer, hindsight here: Should the Browns have last year? Mark and I discussed should they have taken Mitch or uh, Miles Garrett? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You can't tell the next draft, but. If they would have just taken Mitch last year, Bradley Chubb, first overall pick this year. And then you get a quarterback with Mitch, who Chicago's saying mm-hmm. he's the next GOAT, and then Bradley Chubb, who some are saying he's better than Miles Garrett. But also, I mean, let's look back at where they mm-hmm. were in the Carson Wentz draft. They traded True. away that Carson pick. Yeah. And then also, let's look at the— The, the Browns uh, don't know what to do. That's the joke. The Deshaun Watson pick, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had, they had shot yep. at Mitch and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that was up in the air. Here's what I'm going to say. They should draft Sam Darnold number 1— I think they will draft Josh Allen number one. So I think it's a smokescreen. The Donald's I, a smokescreen? I, yeah. That, I feel like I, Allen's more of a smokescreen. No, no, no. I'm saying that they should draft Darnold, that they really like Allen and are only throwing mm-hmm. Darnold out there so a team trades up for them. But I think they will draft Allen. I would take Darnold. This is where you guys, though, come in. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? Who should the Browns take? Who will they take? What do you think of these quarterbacks? Let us know what you think down below. In the comments section, let's move in, though, to our next topic. And this is a team that I believe this entire draft cycle, we've only done two topics on them. And none of them include Mark Weber. 
The first time we did it was Brandon and I talked about should the Broncos take a quarterback in the first round, Mm -hmm. which is a high possibility. This time we're taking a look at the Browns because John Elway had come out and said that they are open to trading the number five pick. We just talked about the Bills and the report that came out today that, yeah, we're not going to trade up for two, but hey, we could trade up for five if there's a quarterback available Here's the question that I want to ask you about the Broncos. Should they trade the fifth overall pick? I've the, That's the thing is, it depends on who the, who's on the board. Mm-hmm. If Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson are on the board, no. I think they should go out and get either Chubb, because mm-hmm. having Von Miller and Bradley Chubb would be an absolutely disgusting pair. Um, and then Quentin Nelson being there... The, the, the Broncos have consistently had struggles with their line over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think getting a guy like Quentin Nelson, who we're saying is a is an all-pro for 10 straight years and a future Hall of Famer, I don't think you can pass up on those two players. Let's look at it this way. In my mind, there are two, two probabilities of options that will happen at the top. Either all the way—oh, they're the fifth, not the fourth. So with the first three picks, there's only two ways I see it panning out. Mm-hmm. Either quarterback, 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 with that second pick being the Giants, or someone trading up. Well, I think the rumor is like if they go, if the Browns go Allen one, yeah, Giants go Darnold mm-hmm. two because they really like Darnold, and then yeah. Jets go Baker three. So there's an option of quarterback, 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 with the Giants being either their pick or someone trading up. Mm-hmm. The only other option I see: quarterback at one, Saquon at two, quarterback at three. Then the Browns. They're the big ones of what are they going to do to swing the rest? Do they go with a Denzel Ward? Do they go with a Saquon if it's quarterback, quarterback, quarterback? Do they go with a Bradley Chubb or mm-hmm. do they go with a Quentin Nelson? I'm not going to fully rule out Chubb at two. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying if, if that, that so would be. So you had that third one of quarterback, Chubb, quarterback. It would be, yeah. So it would be quarterback, Chubb, quarterback, mm-hmm. Nelson. Okay. So then Barkley's still there. Yeah. And then I think that would pretty much be a team trading up. If Barkley's at five, then no, you don't trade that pick. See, I, I, the thing is, is that I, I just I don't know what the hell Denver like. De- <laughs> Denver, I feel like again, mm-hmm. Saquon is a, is a game changer. I feel, but I think the there's bigger needs for them than running back. And I know they got rid of C.J. Anderson um, and Devontae uh, and Booker hasn't been unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, as a running back, but this is such a deep running back class that I think you need to address. They can get it in the second, yeah, or even the third. I mean, mm-hmm. like we've seen guys, uh, Jordan Howard, uh, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara. I mean, we've seen guys recently be gems in those late rounds. And again, I'm not trying to say Saquon Barkley isn't deserving of a top five pick. Mm-hmm. He 100% is, and he could change a franchise. So I feel like if a team, let's say Tampa, is really digging Saquon Barkley and he's falling to five, that's going to make it easier for them to flip, and then Denver has the ability to you know, maybe not get a guy like, uh, you know, because Chubb and, and Nelson are off the board. They can wait, take like a Denzel Ward at seven, and then pick up more capital late in the draft. I think that's where they're going to be uh, taking, you know, going after that. I, I, I really don't see a quarterback. Uh, I, I don't think a team's going to trade up to take a quarterback at five. I think mm-hmm. what they're going to do is probably – Look to six for Indiana uh, for Indianapolis just so because it's going to be an easier will? way to move up. You don't think the Bills will move up to five if a quarterback is there from twelve to five? Well, I think the only reason they would is if they feel someone's going to trade Denver for like if Arizona is going to move up to Denver. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is because we know six is a, a pick that's available to move. Indianapolis yeah. has said and, and been pretty frank that they're not afraid of moving that pick mm-hmm. to move back again. So. 
I, I think that the only reason why they might do that is, let's say the Bills make a trade with Indianapolis, and then Arizona's like, well, fuck it, we got to jump them. Yeah. Let's go to Denver. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what this, I, I think it's more of Elway just saying we're open to it, but I don't think it's a, a, a real possibility. I, I don't think it's really going to happen. You know, I think in the end they're going to end up taking that pick because Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb is going to be on the board. Or maybe they do love Saquon and they take Saquon. Because, I mean, they're going to be in prime position to just take two of the three mm-hmm. because obviously Cleveland's going to take Barkley, Chubb, or Nelson. They're going to have their, their pick at whoever, the two other guys that Cleveland didn't go with for pick. To me, here's how it looks out. And I'm basing this off of a little bit off of my mock draft of, so the biggest needs for the Broncos are on the defensive side. I'll just say the the three biggest. They need a cornerback, mm-hmm. they need a linebacker, they need an offensive lineman. If they think offensive line is where to go, then no, don't trade to pick, just take Quentin Nelson at number five. Unless Cleveland takes him at four. Unless Cleveland takes him at four. But if Quentin Nelson is there, no, don't take the pick, just take Quentin Nelson. If you are John Elway leaning more towards cornerback or linebacker, then I would try to get a team like the Bills to me would be a perfect trade for the Broncos. And the reason why I say that is they can gain capital. I know that not every trade is created equally, but just look at what the Jets gave up to move from six to three. Mm-hmm. They swapped their first rounders. They gave up two seconds this year and a second next year. That's a high price just yeah. to move up three picks. And I'm not saying the Bills are going to give up the same thing, but like that's what we have to compare in this draft. If, let's say, cornerback is what you're looking for or linebacker, there's a chance that Josh Jackson and or a Rashawn Evans or even a mm-hmm. Roquan Smith could be there at 12. Or Tremaine and, Edmonds. Or Tremaine Edmonds, and you could just take one of those guys yeah. at 12 and not have to do it at 5. I, I, again, I think Elway came out just because he's not a dumb businessman, mm-hmm. and he's going to open himself up to trading that pick because— their need isn't a quarterback. And, you know, if Buffalo does get desperate and they're like, hey, take the 12 and 21st, we'll take five, we'll, we'll jump up to five because Rosen's available and we want Rosen, I could totally see that happening. Um, should they? I, I think, again, I, I think being smart, you should not close off that line. Because, again, you might be able to take a future Hall of Famer in Nelson or Chubb or Barkley. But it'd be stupid to close off those lines when you could still build a winning football team without those players. Because at that outside linebacker spot, you already have a Hall of Famer mm-hmm. in Von Miller. And on the offensive line, again, Quentin Nelson's going to be a great piece. But we look at one great piece on the offensive line, Joe Thomas at Cleveland, didn't get him anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm not saying that Quentin Nelson isn't deserving of a, a top five pick. He totally is. I'd love if he falls to the Bears. Uh, but it's just really... What is going to help your team in the long run? And getting two first-round picks in a draft that seems very deep, I think would be beneficial to the Broncos that, again, have those needs. And we look at that 21st pick. You, If you don't go cornerback at the at the 12th pick, you have a Jair Alexander. You have a Josh Jackson if he possibly slips a little bit. Or you have a Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, mm-hmm. at that linebacker spot. Or, again, Rashawn Evans if he's still there. Or, or if you want another outside linebacker, you have Harold Landry from or Boston Or if you College. want to go wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, Cortland exactly, Sutton could exactly. be at that second one. Or Darius Geis, if they or, do want to fill that running back spot. Or Darius Geis. Do you think that the Bills would have to give up both firsts to move up to five? Or could um, they, like, is the gap so big to where they'd have to give up the two firsts? Or could they do it with just giving up the 12? I don't think they have to. I think it's just more of... If they are desperate enough, they will. Mm-hmm. You know, if they think that Josh Rosen or uh, 
I mean, maybe maybe Allen if he's still on the board. I like that's the thing is if two quarterbacks, cor- if three go in the top three, it's like oh crap, we got to get somebody. Almost. If Rosen's still there at five, I think they definitely pull that trigger. Yeah. So I, I think, and then maybe you know, again, if you're going up and getting your franchise quarterback. Again, I can't blame you for giving up the 12 and 21st because Buffalo, already a team that made the playoffs, already a team that has a lot of weapons mm-hmm. and can fill those needs later in the draft. And if it's going to mean the 12 and 21st and you keep on to later draft capital like the second round and third round picks, we're able to build up that team more. I have no problem with that if you're getting your franchise quarterback. So I, I think that, again, it, it might be, again, it might not match up on the draft calculator, but when you're on, you're, you're in you the, in the doing. when you're in the war room, on Thursdays, and you need a franchise quarterback, you're not going to worry about that because you're getting your franchise quarterback. That's exactly what Ryan Pace thought last year. Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky had the possibility of going off two. Screw it. We're trading up. We're getting our guy. I'm not going to worry about it. And I don't think that's a, a decision he regrets. So just to give a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of reference here. So if they wanted to do just the 12, the value for each thing, if the Broncos just gave up the fifth, that's a value of seventeen hundred. If the Bills gave up their first at twelve, and then their both of their seconds at fifty three and fifty six, that'd be a value of nineteen ten. So a little bit higher value to move up. If they gave up both of their first alone, but, that would be. And I know this isn't how GMs think. Yeah, yeah. That would be a value of nineteen eighty. But the thing is, is again, you have to entice Denver to move back mm-hmm. because if you're talking about. Two possible Hall of Famers in Nelson and Barkley, oh, or I'm, Nelson and if Chuck. If I'm Denver, I don't to, do it without both first. Yeah, like you have to make it worth it. And if you're going to mm-hmm. give them two first round picks, I think that's a perfect trade because you're you're moving back to a position not too far for Denver, where you can still get a, a future starter at that 12 spot. Whether it's a corner, if you like Josh Jackson, or yeah, Josh Jackson, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, if, if Denzel Ward's somehow still there. Um, or if you have a linebacker's need and Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith there, you have the ability to draft that guy at 12. And then at it 21, gives him so many options. And then at 22, again, um, we talked about you know the, the linebackers there, Rashawn Evans, mm-hmm. Leighton Vander Esch. I mean, all these guys that have the, the, the ability to be there at uh, uh, 22. Or even, again, like Jair Alexander, if you're still looking for a corner. Uh, Mike Hughes, uh, Isaiah Oliver. I mean, like there's, there's guys in those positions mm-hmm. for positions that you need that will help your team more than one guy like a Nelson or Barkley. Because, again, Barkley, or sorry, not Barkley, uh, Nelson or Chubb, because, again, you already have Von Miller, who's a monster on the outside. You have Shane Wright, who's a, who a top pick recently as well. And then you look at Nelson. It's going to be a great piece. He's going to fill one of your five holes. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's only one of the five holes that you have offensively. I know they're, it's not completely that detrimental mm-hmm. in, in Denver. But, again, you can find guys, linemen, offensive linemen, in the second round, third round. And two things that kind of, well, three things to take into consideration. The quotes from John Elway's press conference exactly. The first one they have is, like he said, I'm open to trading. Then he said, we're open. Like you said, everything is going to come in order. And obviously, like you said, free agency is first. We'll be open for business on the fifth pick, depending on how things fall. But then he was asked, like, oh, well, what if you make the picket five? He said, we will take the best player that's best for the Denver Broncos. So mm-hmm. it looks like to me, John Elway, no matter, like I'm going to take that into consideration no matter where he's picking. Let's say they trade it and he gets both of the Bills picks. Yeah. Maybe he's not going to be a guy that goes, oh, we need this and this. It's just going to be, all right, who's the best guy on the board? We're going to take him, 
even if it's a quarterback, because is Case Keenum really the long-term guy? Yeah. I, again, I'm not ruling out quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And again, if Josh Rosen's there, I could totally see him as a Denver Bronco. There are people that say that, you know, John Elway really loves Baker Mayfield if he's there. Uh-huh. I know that the whole Jet thing, he the Jets like him too, but there are rumors that, I mean, even McShay says that, like, he really, like, like he says here, Denver's become really interesting. Early in the process in February, one of my sources said they have legitimate interest in Mayfield. I think Denver, and this is probably similar to the Giants. The Giants were a terrible team last year, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's representative of the value that they have in their players and also in their coaching staff. Because now, obviously, the Giants saw that. They made changes at, in, in that coaching staff and in that, in that front office. Um, and yeah, I feel it's like, called Don't Piss Off the Mannings. Well, but that, but also, I mean, you had struggles with OBJ. Mm-hmm. OBJ went injured. Uh, you, Eli Apple was a Brandon baby Marshall out there. was injured. Uh, ben McAdoo had no control at all over that locker room. Mm-hmm. They made the necessary changes, and they still have talent on that roster. Yeah. And you look at Denver, Vance Joseph, first time coming in. They had trouble, you know, getting used to that change. Mm-hmm. I think that... You know, having a year under Vance Joseph and the talent that we saw on this team. You still have Chris Harris, still Von Miller. You still have Demarius Thomas. You still have Emmanuel Sanders. There's still a lot of talented players on this Denver Bronco team. I don't think last year for the Giants and Broncos were indicative of what these teams can truly do on the field. So that's why if I'm looking at, you know, the ability to draft Josh Rosen, when I already have a guy like Case Keenum who took the Minnesota Vikings to the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. To the NFC Championship game. I, or the ability to trade back and address more needs and fill out my team, I think that might be better in the long run because, hey, if you suck next year, you're going to have another high pick, and these aren't going to be, this isn't going to be the last quarterback of draft, like, you know, draft class that's going to be absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. There's going to be guys next year that could be franchise changers still. Mm-hmm. So if you still desperately need a quarterback next year, I think you could still draft that um, and, and get that future plan after Keenum. But I think Keenum, after what he did last year, for the Minnesota Vikings, deserves one year. And again, if they go with quarterback, I'm going to say the same thing. If he's your guy, then go with him. I'm not going to say it's bad. But looking at the Denver Broncos roster and what this team probably can do talent-wise, I think it would probably be better for them if they did trade back. Um, Should they? If the offer is right, let's say Buffalo 12 and uh, 22, 100%. They should do it. Um, Will they? That's a different question. If Baker Mayfield is there at five, this becomes very interesting. I like Rosen over like, Baker, so it's, and, and for, I'm, I'm saying even if Rosen's on the board, I'm not doing it. For me, if it's one of those things, it's not like who do I prefer. I'm just saying it's interesting because of like even I'm just looking at what McShay has heard mm-hmm. that I said that oh early in the process he heard that one of his sources said they have legitimate interest in Mayfield. Another thing to think about Gary Kubiak once coach of the Denver Broncos, is now a senior personnel advisor for the Broncos. He really likes, like, he loves Keenum. They went ahead and signed Case Keenum. He also sees the similarities between Mayfield and Case Keenum. So there could be a thing like that where is that like, oh, we had legitimate interest in him. He's kind of similar to the guy who we signed. Yes, he's not going to start right away. I think if Mayfield is there, mm-hmm. this becomes a very muddy situation for do they trade, do they not trade. But if Mayfield's not there, then I think that the Broncos will end up trading and it will be the Bills that move up for a quarterback. I agree with you about the situation will get muddy if Baker mm-hmm. is there. However, I think it's still it, it, having interest in a player 
doesn't mean you have interest in them at five. Mm-hmm. You know, if they trade back and Baker's still at twelve, they're taking Baker Mayfield. Yeah. But Baker's not falling to twelve. You know, um, again, I'm just using that as an example. I think it's it's more of the, having interest in a player is again mm-hmm. another w- way to set a smoke sh- screen, and also it's another way to just say we like this player. Like mm-hmm. it's not anything wrong to come out and say, hey, we like this player. It's again, you got to take talent when you're when you're picking top five, mm-hmm. and the talent for the Denver Broncos that's going to help your team. I don't think is at that quarterback position for the next upcoming year. No, it's, it's either a Quentin Nelson or a Bradley Chubb. Exactly, and I think the talent that's going to help your team win if they're not there at five for some reason, is going to be at that 12 and 21st spot because mm-hmm. you're or 12 and 22nd spot because you're going to, I don't know why 12 and 21st is in my head, I keep saying it, <laughs> at that 12 and 22nd spot because you're going to be able to fill more holes on your team. I got one thing I'm going to say, then I got a question for you. Okay. Like, And the thing that I want to kind of put out there for myself and how I'm thinking is, Bronco fans, check out my... Full seven-round mock draft for what I did for you guys down below. Are but you guys cool now? With the I know Broncos fan you, um, used to hate you. I don't know. Well, I, I was right. Trevor Simeon. Like, Let me know in the comments down below if you hate Ricky Whitmer. Here's the thing. I think Bronco fans and us are cool because, A, I was right. Like, Trevor Simeon wasn't the guy, and he's garbage. He's but, on your team, by the way. Yeah, and that's the other part. I'm is so that, like, getting you a Trevor Simeon jersey for your birthday. <laughs> please don't. People are always like, oh, Sean's so mean to Ricky. I can be meaner. Please don't. Please, please don't give me a Trevor Simeon jersey. Okay. Um, like, we're cool now because I was right about that, but they can also laugh because now he's on my team. Um, hopefully the backup that Kirk Cousins doesn't get injured. But what I was going to say is check out every pick that I made, but the one that I will spoil for you is I didn't have the Broncos go quarterback until the fifth round. Really? I didn't have them go quarterback until Kyle Luletta, the the project guy out of Richmond. I don't think he's a project. I think the guy's a number one. A day, you think day, so? A day one starter coming out of the third round, baby. You being serious? You're being sarcastic? Uh, I think he's going to go in the third round. Okay. I don't think he's a day one starter. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think the Broncos will do. Take a project later. I am buying John Elway and Vance Joseph at their word, even though I might not. That Case Keenum's our guy. He's the missing piece. I'm going to take— like, well, When I went into this draft, I said I'm going to take him at their word— they won't go to a quarterback late. One, you don't pay a, a quarterback that much mm-hmm. to not be your guy. Yeah, and then also looking at Vance Joseph, um, again, I, I, um, looking at Vance Joseph, being from a defensive background and mm-hmm. seeing what Pat, uh, uh, Mike Zimmer's defense did with Case Keenum as quarterback probably has to instill some confidence in you. Again, yeah. Case Keenum might not be a top ten quarterback, but he's good enough, mm-hmm. and he, he proved that last year. And hey, we'll see if last year was a fluke or not. Um, we'll see what he does in that Denver offense, but I think he again deserves one year at least mm-hmm. to be like, hey, you know that was a fluke. Uh, but you know he got out of Jeff Fisher situation in St. Louis and proved that he could still be a, a really decent quarterback. This year we're going to get the answer to that real quick because the way I'm looking at it is, look at the Giants, look at the Broncos. We're going to find out who was like, what was the reason our offense was successful? Was it Case Keenum playing really good? Or was it Pat Shermer putting his players in the right situation? We're going to find that question out real quick because if the Giants start taking off again, then it's the Pat Shermer, not the Case Keenum. Well, and also let's look at Denver. They also didn't have a quarterback last year. Mm-hmm. They were running with Brock Osweiler, and Paxton Hurt, Lynch. Hurt Paxton Lynch, and Trevor Simeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that's going to be big for them as well. And Brock um, Osweiler wasn't even there at the beginning of the year. They no, had to he wasn't. sign him midway yeah, through. Yeah. Uh, but he still played that like Indianapolis mm-hmm. game. It looked decent, anyways. Um, but still, looking at like Denver's schedule as well, I think it's going to truly show 
what they have, mm-hmm. what what he has, you know, coming in because you're going to face a Seattle team that's depleted. You don't have the same players out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously with uh, that dude, that dude Richard Sherman leaving. That dude. Um, you know that that team not being the same Seahawks team that they have been when they were Super Bowl champions. Uh, that Raider team that's still going to be gelling. Yes, they have Khalil Mack. Um, but if you take a guy like Quentin Nelson, I know he's more of a guard than he is a tackle. Um, won't be matching up with him, but still, you could probably double team Khalil Mack if he's mm-hmm. on the same side as uh, Quentin Nelson. We'll see what they could do. And again, if you're able to cover Case Keenum, we'll see what you could do against a Raider team that isn't really that great defensively, wasn't great that defensively last year, and then you get some challenges um, against the Ravens uh, in Week Three. So I think like the first three weeks are going to be a real telltale sign of what. Case Keenum could do outside of Minnesota. And also the thing about the AFC West, I don't know if you saw, I guess Vegas has their early odds for divisional winners. Guess who Vegas has winning the AFC West and how many wins they have that team having? Um, I'm... Real quick, I'm looking at Denver's mm-hmm. schedule. It's pretty easy. So if it's Denver, I wouldn't be too It's shy. not Denver. Is it L.A.? It's L.A. Nice. How many wins? Nine. Nine. Boom. Right on the mark. Boom. That tells me... None that tells the, me I should be a Vegas bookie. Th- that tells me that Vegas does not have confidence in this division being very good. Being, well, it, or being very middle-of-the-pack record-wise. You see the turnover. Mm-hmm. Again, Denver... They looked great. The John Gordon coming into the Raiders. Patrick Mahomes is now your starter in mm-hmm. KC. L.A. again. You know mm-hmm. they, they had promised at some points last year, and then they looked like garbage other points. Like uh, L.A. is a very up and wishy washy team, which but could that mean this volume. could be a very winnable division for the Broncos. Yeah, what for my sure. Point again, is going to be again the, t- the talent's still there. It's just how will Vance Joseph do in year two? Here's what we'll do to end it. Give me your personal. So give me the first four picks. What you think they'll be. And then at five, give me, should the Broncos trade the pick? And if they do keep the pick, who would you select? So give me the first five picks? First, So first off, should they trade the pick or should they keep it? Um, well, let's do the picks first. Okay. Because that's going to tell me. Give me then your top four. Uh, Cleveland at number one is going to take Sam, Samthony Darnold okay. uh, at number one. Number two, the New York Giants are going to keep the pick mm-hmm. and they are going to select Saquon Barkley. Okay. Um, and then number three, the New York Jets are going to take Baker Mayfield, the third, okay, uh, junior, uh, out of Oklahoma. Then four, the uh, Cleveland Browns will take uh, uh, the, the dude from uh, North Carolina. Uh, Blake his name. Bradley Chubb. North Carolina State. Bradley Chubb. And then at five, Denver will trade the pick as they will trade it. With so you're saying they Buffalo. should trade the pick? They will trade the pick. Okay. And they should. I've already said they should earlier. Yeah. They should. They will. Buffalo is going to give them the twelve and twenty-one. They're going to move back. Buffalo is going to twelve take and twenty-two. Twelve and twenty-two. Jesus Christ. <laughs> twelve and twenty-two. This is just a, it's twenty-one twelve. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In my mind, with with Rush, uh, and then Buffalo is going to take Josh Rosen. Okay. Or Josh Allen. So you're saying that they will trade the pick? Why not? Let's say I don't have a car. I already bet that on Cleveland. <laughs> let's say this. Let's say they keep the pick. Who would you take if you're? Let's say if they the way keep that, the, the pick, way that who, fell out. Yeah. Quentin Nelson. You take Quentin Nelson. Yeah, he's still on the board. I'm he's the, the best player available. I'm the same way. Should they trade the pick? Hell yeah. Because the the way I have my mock draft falling, Allen, Darnold, Mayfield are gone. Josh Rosen sitting there. The Bills need to get him because if he falls to 11 with no trades, the Dolphins are going to snatch him up. The Bills will need to get ahead of him. I think the Bills will have to give up first two first mm-hmm. to get Josh Rosen at five. However, if I'm the Broncos, I take Quentin. Well, and I also think Elway did this just because he he came out and said it because mm-hmm. Indianapolis has also been like, hey, we're willing to trade the pick as well. The Broncos are like, hey, the don't Bron- forget about us. The Broncos are like, yeah, you can get your guy. You can jump everyone who's trying to trade mm-hmm. to six. We're open for business. And yeah. I think if you're getting a two first first rounders, 
You should not pass it up for Denver. If you're Denver with Buffalo, if you say I want the both of your first and they say no, do you just hang up the phone right away? Or do you take the twelfth and a different package? I would counter and be like, what are you what else, <laughs> what, what are you willing to give up? Because if you're saying we want the <laughs> first two Usually it would say basically. Usually basically I'm saying, are you say, ha- are you a hard yeah. guy on getting what, both those What would those happen first? is Elway's probably going to wait for Buffalo to call them. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's going to call. They're going to say, "Hey, John, we'll give you twelve seconds or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, John's going to be like, "No, we want twelve twenty-two. And then if they aren't able to come up with something, no. If it's not getting tw- the twelfth pick and the twenty-second pick, no. The no great, deal. the great. But I think thing Buffalo about is this, desperate enough to do it. And that's the thing. The great thing about this situation. Denver has all the leverage. They have everything in their favor because if the Bills called them, if I'm John Elway, I don't budge from getting those two first because really in the end, it's like, hey, you know what? I guess you really don't want that quarterback. I'm still going to take the guy that I want here on the board. I'm trying to do you a favor. But at the same time, it depends with Buffalo what their deal would be with the Colts. Would the Colts want two first because – it's a similar thing, and if everyone wants those two first for Buffalo, it's uh, how long are we going to go down? Pull it by John Elway. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to going. Ah, oh, I don't know. Uh, Adam's calling me from uh, Miami. I think that they really want Josh Rosen. Why is Adam Gase? I don't know. Call? I just wanted to throw Adam Gase's name out. Oh man, I got Miami on the line. They really want your guy. I mean, do you sure you want him to go hey, to a divisional opponent? I just want to. I just want to say, Adam Gase has that uh, Denver <laughs> connection. Used to be the offensive coordinator there. He does. The he off- does have the that Denver or- connection. The, or- the offensive coordinator before he changed it for a different blue and orange in uh, Chicago. Before leaving and for then a teal it, and orange. And then changed it for, yeah, a drastic, kind of a blend between the green and the blue uh-huh. and a teal. Really? Yeah. But he kept the orange all the way through. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. Should the Broncos trade their fifth overall pick? Who will trade up for it? And if they keep the pick, who should they take? It's a loaded question, loaded topic. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Let's move on, though, going away from the Packer or going away from the Broncos, God. moving into the Packers. You just spoiled the topic. I did. I spoiled the topic that we're getting into in man. two seconds. But moving away from the Broncos, moving into the Packers, and our, that, that kind of spell. I know I'm not oh. Bears fans, but it just didn't feel right to say that. Da Bears, all right, that feels a lot better, even though I'm a Vikings fan. But news we're talking about the Packers mm-hmm. is usually with the Packers, we're not talking about them trading up because they like to build their free agency and get veterans and not really get rookies, but there are reports coming out, just one real, from ESPN. Just real quick, that was sarcasm, mm-hmm. if you couldn't tell. Yeah, very sarcastic. I don't know. Something about the YouTube comments <laughs> lately have been rough. Especially on that Trey Young side. Yeah. That Trey Young sighting. But what is being reported is that the Packers are looking to maybe trade up especially if one of three guys is available. If a Denzel Ward, Minka Fitzpatrick, or Derwin James fall in this draft. So the question I want to ask you, Sean, is not should they, because we talked about should so much in this podcast. Give me a hard stance. Will the Packers trade up for one of the top DBs? No, because I think they possibly have the opportunity to get one Mm -hmm. um, at that 14 spot. And it's none of the guys you just mentioned. Josh Jackson from Iowa, <laughs> stay in the Big Ten, stay in the Midwest, go get him at corner. I think if those three players in Minka, mm-hmm. Derwin James, and Denzel Ward are still off the board, you still have the prime opportunity to take a great corner in Josh Jackson 
at that 14 spot. Um, maybe it will be a little bit of a reach in, in some people's eyes, but I honestly think that that w- that he is such of a ball, such a ball hawk, mm-hmm. and, and playing up against the opponents that he did, um, you know, in, in the Big Ten, playing constantly great opponents in the Big Ten, going up against quarterbacks that might not be NFL prospects. You know, JT Barrett was was great mm-hmm. at Ohio State. Um, obviously, not Alex Hornerbrook from uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, but you know, he was consistently playing. Pro-style offenses in the Big Ten. He was consistently playing great offensive lines and, and talents on the outside. I think that Josh Jackson can translate that to the NFL, and I don't think they need to give up draft capital because this Packer team, they need to replenish what they've lost uh, the last couple of years, and I don't think they've been able to do that. I think they need to get back on the winning side and, and not waste the years of Aaron Rodgers. And mm-hmm. I think that you can still get a good starting cornerback in Josh Jackson without trading up. And, and I think the only guy that I would, if the Packers were to trade up, would be Derwin James uh, out of Florida State. I think that a pairing of him in the secondary and, and in the safety positions with him and Haha Clinton-Dix, Haha playing the free safety, and then Derwin playing the strong, I think could be a really nice combo. Um, but then again, I wouldn't be desperate enough if I am the Packers to trade up and make that move. Well, for me, here's the way I see it is... If you want, I'll even add Josh Jackson. So if you want any of the top four defensive backs, you have to trade up. Because Derwin James, I'll start with him because that's who you mentioned. I'm starting to think, I know Mark and I mentioned about Derwin in the Chargers segment we did where I could see him being selected anywhere from like 10 all the way down to the Chargers at 19. Like that's how big his range is. But... Now I'm starting to get kind of the feeling that the Redskins are usually a team that what I want them to do or what I mock them to do, because for the past two or three years it's felt like I've always mocked them to get that run stopper in the middle of the defensive line, and they go, ah, that's nice, Ricky, but we're going to go ahead and do this. How's it worked out for you? How are you doing in your division? But and that's not a knock on Redskins fans. That's a knock on Dan Snyder. Mm-hmm. But with the Packers, I feel like, Derwin James will probably be gone by the Redskins. You've got pick 12, whether it's the Bills or what both you and I just said, if the Broncos get that pick, Broncos could be going cornerback there. So there's your Josh Jackson. And I don't think Minka and Denzel fall out of the top 10. So if you're Green Bay, if you want one of these top four defensive backs, the only way to do it is to trade up. The question is with whom are you going to trade up? And the only two teams that I could see, the only two teams I could see them making a trade with is if they want to trade all the way up to six to get Denzel Ward, or if they want to trade all the way up to nine to get whoever falls. Because the two teams in between, the Buccaneers also need a cornerback. And the Bears, I just don't see the Bears and the Packers making a trade. Well, the the Bucs, I think that's a prime spot for Derwin James. And I think the thing or is, or Denzel Ward, they need a corner as well. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, you look at, and I was talking to a Bucks fan um, mm-hmm. on Reddit. He was saying that Minka isn't really a great fit for Tampa. Chris Conte is also one of your starting safeties in Tampa. But the thing is, is that um, right now at the, it's not a good thing. Right now, is they they have the free safety spot locked down um, mm-hmm. in Tampa and. Minka is more of a free safety, mm-hmm. and they need more of a strong safety because of Chris Conti. Yeah, and then Minka is not really an outside corner, more of an inside corner mm-hmm. at that nickel spot. But that's where they've been playing Vernon Hargraves. You just drafted Vernon Hargraves, and while he hasn't been great out there, it's way too early 
to give up on him. So I don't think Minka is really a great well, fit for Tampa. I think Derwin James, again, he's a Florida kid mm-hmm. from that area, could really be well, uh, really be a great addition to that secondary at that strong safety See, spot I'm, for I'm the sitting Buccaneers. on the other side with the Buccaneers of, I think Denzel Ward's the guy that they would target, only because nothing against Vernon Hargraves. He's the guy you're thinking about. Well, no, no, I look at the other side. You just signed Brent Grimes to only a one-year deal. He's not like, you re-signed him just so you could have a starter just in case you don't want to take a corner in the top 10. No, I'm not saying they shouldn't go corner. Denzel, Denzel I, I think, if you're going to go corner... Denzel should be the pick. Well, because I mean, for 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 Tampa, look at look but at I, us. We just had the top five. He's not there. Mm-hmm. Do you think he goes at six? Is the question. Do you uh, think Denzel possibly, goes at yeah. six? Impossibly. Because I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, lost. I got Bradley Chubb there. I know you had Chubb going two. I, I mean, going four or four to Cleveland. Um, I mean, I think Bradley Chubb then goes to the Colts, and there's no way the Bucks pass with, on Ward. With the Bucks is what I'm thinking. If mm-hmm. Ward is there, take him. If not, Derwin James and then Minka. I think Minka is. Probably the second best. I would put Ward first, Minka second, mm-hmm. Derwin third. But fit wise, I think probably Denzel Ward is the better player and also a, a good fit on the outside. Again, they have that nickel locked up. You need to get that outside corner. You already have Grimes on the other side, um, so you have Warren, uh, Ward there on the outside. And then if not, you could fill that strong safety spot with Derwin James. Um, and then you know the Bears could go corner if Denzel Ward is out there. Um, maybe Minka, but I know, you know, we don't really need a secondary spot. It's just really, do you believe that he's going to mm-hmm. be a, a franchise changer? I know that uh, it's been floated out that Oakland might want uh, a Derwin James. So, again, looking at the, the Packers' needs, it's really in that secondary, though. It's it's at cornerback. Um, you know, they have Kevin King. He's still young. Uh, I, I'm a just fan of him. Just drafted him last year. Yeah, I'm a fan of him from Washington. So Is that why you want him to go Josh Jackson, pair the Iowa backs in the backfield? Iowa backs. Yeah, Kevin King and Josh Jackson are both Iowa guys. Kevin King's from Washington. No, I thought he was from Iowa. He's from Washington. Okay, because I was wrong. That's, that's why I'm a fan of him. Oh, he's okay. from Washington. I thought so he was. I, know I thought he was the defensive back from Iowa. No, uh, no, no. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm wrong. I know. Come on. Uh, but Kevin King and then uh, a guy like Josh Jackson mm-hmm. on the outside could be really nice. And then Haha playing free safety. You probably need to secure that strong safety position. But again, that's it. That's where Derwin James comes mm-hmm. in. Um, I, I just feel though, again, those three guys. I think Denzel Ward, if he's available, will probably go at, to Indianapolis or Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago could, will take Denzel Ward, probably will be the last spot. So I think that yeah. his, his range is six to eight. And Derwin James comes into play at that seven spot. And can we both agree that there's no way Ryan Pace and the Packers work out a deal because you're not going to no. help out a divisional opponent? The only one I could probably throw out there would be maybe San Francisco. If San Francisco mm-hmm. feels like they can move back to that 14 spot. Yeah. Pick up some draft capital because we've seen they've traded back. Yeah, before. we've seen John Lynch be aggressive like that, and at least know the guys that he wants. And if he feels like, hey, maybe mm-hmm. not Vita Vea because I don't need a defensive tackle. However, but, you know, the thing that the Niners have to worry about is the whole Reuben Foster thing. Exactly. Do we have to take a guy like Roquan Smith at nine? But that's the thing: if they take mm-hmm. Roquan Smith, you're not worried about them taking a defensive back. Yeah. But then if you take Roquan Smith, then the Raiders are the Raiders going to trade back? What are the Raiders going to do? Dolphins exactly. going to trade back? I don't see that. It's it, it's it's funky. Uh, the the team that I know we just talked about last time uh, with the whole uh, Denver Broncos thing about mm-hmm. trading up would be the uh, Bills. If the Bills don't trade up and there's not a quarterback mm-hmm. there, maybe they slide back. You know, maybe maybe they've ex- exhausted all options. Mm-hmm. All top four guys are off, and they're not a fan of Lamar Jackson at twelve. What if they move back if the Packers are so desperate? Because at thirteen, who's picking thirteen? Redskins. Redskins. Redskins don't need a quarterback. 
So you're not really worried about that happening. So if you feel like so you're the talking Packers, the Packers moving up. So you're talking the Bills trading with the Broncos. Let's say then the Broncos moving back from twelve to fourteen again. Top four quarterbacks are off the board. Yeah, well, top three because no. the Browns aren't going to go double quarterback. Top what? No, top four would be uh, Browns going quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, Giants going quarterback, yeah. Jets, Jets going quarterback, and then the Bills Broncos. at five or Broncos. Broncos. So you're saying the Broncos make the pick. Well, this is just hyp- this okay. is hypothetical. Hypothetical. Okay. We don't know what the hell is going to happen. True. Right? I'm trying to go off the, what we said in the, the last segment. I don't. I know. <laughs> but I don't have the Back to the Future sports book out here. I'm just trying to play out a situation. The almanac. Yeah, I'm trying to play out a situation that will happen. Mm. That that could possibly happen where the Bills do trade back. Mm-hmm. Top four quarterbacks are off the board. Yeah. Um. In, in some the first way, five. hell, let's say the the Broncos don't take their guy and mm-hmm. Josh Allen goes to the Bills. This only works if the Bills don't trade up. All right. Mm-hmm. So so the Bills aren't trading the, up. The Bills aren't trading okay. up. Let's just again. This is a hyperbole. Bills don't trade up at twelve. You can then have, trade back with the Packers because you can take Lamar at fourteen. They like Lamar Jackson, but you can mm-hmm. probably pick up more capital. Redskins aren't going to take him at thirteen. You slide back. Packers move up and they take a guy like maybe Minka falls all the way to twelve in some way. And this is me being two K Ricky. Then what if the Cardinals go? Ah, we got to call the Redskins to move ahead of the Bills. <laughs> It'd <laughs> be something. Or if the Patriots, we're, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, They're another team that can move I, up. But that's this, a crazy thing about the draft. I don't know what's going to happen. Could this be the draft where we have the most? Like this is the first time I felt like with a draft that we've talked about where all of these segments have been trade, 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 yeah. trade. Like trade, trade, move around. Everyone's going to move. But like, well, that's just because there's five quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is five quarterbacks that are actually like good prospects. Yeah. Although you, I know you're on the side of Allen being a bust. It's not like a, uh, after three, it falls off. It's no. Mm -hmm. After five, is it really a fall off? Because then you've got Mason Rudolph, you've got Luke Falk, who aren't terrible guys in the second round. The thing with the Packers, I just find it hard to believe, is finding that trade partner to that doesn't have a similar need to them, or if they have a similar need, like with the Bucs. Can they entice the Bucs to pass on that cornerback need and take more capital. The Bears, can they entice the Bears to make a deal within the division? I think it comes down to if the Bills trade with the Broncos, like we said, because that's a possibility too. Mm -hmm. If the Bills don't trade with the Broncos, the Packers could try to move up to the Broncos, but then the Broncos could say, no, Denzel's the best on the board. We're going to take him, although both you and I think Quentin Nelson Mm -hmm. would be the best on the board. If the Bills move up, though, which what I'm thinking then it's really with the Packers. I'm either trading up for six, or I'm hoping that one of the defensive backs is at nine, and I can trade with John Lynch to then get one at nine. Other than that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to trade up. Yeah, in all actual in all actuality, not playing in, in hypotheticals with the quarterback situation mm-hmm. and the, the the three top guys that aren't quarterbacks: Saquon, Chubb, and Nelson. You're not trading with the Bears, so it's really. The Bears and after is where you're looking to make a trade. Possibly the Colts. I mm-hmm. think probably the Colts are probably the, the team that would probably be the biggest trade partner with the uh, Packers in the top eight. But outside of that, I don't really see a deal where the Packers move up and, and snag a Denzel Ward because I feel like the Colts, even though they are thinking about moving down, if they keep that pick, Denzel Ward's probably their pick. So why would I trade back to take another cornerback if the guy I want Intensive Ward is there. Here's the question that I have for you mm-hmm. is, I mean, maybe this was also because they were like, oh, we can get a, we could try to trade up for a Minka or a uh, Derwin James. But do you look back at that deal 
that Dave and I, wow, it wasn't even Mark and I that talked about it. Dave and I on the onside kick talked about it way back. Do you look back at that deal earlier this offseason where the Packers sent Demarius Randall, who was a safety, to the Browns to get Deshaun Kaiser? Like, does that, I know hindsight's 2020, we'll 20 years down the line know if this was good or bad. But right now, I just look at it and I go, you just created yourself a need for a quarterback that is he the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers? Probably not, right? He's just a backup in Deshaun Kaiser. He mm-hmm. didn't really show anything special in Cleveland. Yeah, but he's still young. And he, he is and still young. But he I mean, he hasn't had a great coach. I mean, my, even though I'm a Notre Dame fan wearing the shirt, Brian I, Kelly wasn't his what guy. I'm, what I'm starting to question with that is, and it's so early to do this, is did you trade for the wrong guy and create a need you didn't have to by doing so? By giving away Demarius Randall, now well, now you need a corner and a safety. Randall didn't look like the next thing. And mm-hmm. I know they drafted him last year, but that was also a Ted Thompson pick. Mm-hmm. Now with the new regime in there at GM, I think that's the one thing. That was a Ted Thompson pick. Mm-hmm. Look, coming in, Brian Gunker, I think his name is. Uh, I, I don't want to—I I probably messed up his last name. But Gunker, coming in, wasn't a fan of Randall, thought he can get a backup quarterback— I think that's what it was. I don't think it was really creating a need. I think he probably saw cornerback already as a need, even with Randall on the roster. So mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. And you could at least move on from Randall, get him a fresh start, and at least fill another need by taking up, uh, you know, Kaiser there. And you know, it, it wasn't a drastic need, but also you felt like you weren't giving up a ton and trading mm-hmm. Demarius Randall. Because I mean, do the do the Packers need to trade up for one of these top corners? No, or defensive well, backs. I think no. Do they? But the t- do they need to trade up to get one of the top three? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do I think they should? No. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think if you want Derwin James, Minka, or Denzel Ward, you need to trade up to get those guys. Do I think they should in actuality? No, because Josh Jackson's well, still there. And here's the thing I'll ask you is, obviously there's a bit of talent gap in this, and of course these guys, just because I had a mock somewhere doesn't mean they're going to go anywhere, but like... The thing, it's tricky where the Packers are in the first round because they're not going to, probably not going to get any of these top four guys at 14. But if you're the Packers, do you take the approach of, all right, we can't trade up. Let's just take BPA at 14, which for me in my mock draft was Marcus Davenport. Mm -hmm. And then let's focus on corner in the second round, which on my board, they... Uh, they still had Isaiah Oliver there, and they were able to grab him mm-hmm. with their 13th overall pick in the second round. I, I, looking at their defense, though, I like their front seven. Mike Daniels mm-hmm. is, a, uh, is a good t- DT. Kenny Clark proved to be really good. Mohamed Wilkerson is good. You never have a enough force. pass rush, though, when you're going up against but, uh, Kirk Cousins, Mitch Trubisky, and Matthew Stafford. Mohamed Wilkerson's a stud. Mm-hmm. Kenny Clark was a, a really good stud. Michael mm-hmm. Daniels has been a stud. Clay Matthews, been pretty good before. Uh, Jake Ryan was pretty decent when watching him. Blake Martinez was really good. Nick Perry's been good at points. So, again, I really like their front seven. I think you could spend those first two picks mm-hmm. in, in the first and second round on cornerbacks or on, on a safety. Especially on a Derwin guy like James Denzel or Derwin. Yeah, or you go Josh Jackson with that 14th pick, and then you look for safety in the second round. I think mm-hmm. that's a total uh, you know, your possibility for for the Green Bay Packers to attack because you know you look at that line, it isn't terrible. You still have Belaga, you still have Lindsley, you still have uh, Bacardi. I, I fuck up his name all the time. Whatever, David <laughs> Bacardi uh, at the left tackle. Um, you know, 
The wide receiver's a little bit thin because now there's rumors that they don't like Randall Cobb anymore. Um, but you still have Devontae Adams. You picked up Jimmy Graham, so that gives you another option there. You still have Ty Montgomery um, as well. Um, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams were okay backs last year. Um, and again, this is a really deep running back draft. So you can still get those guys in the fourth round. You still have Aaron Rodgers. So I think I think that offense doesn't don't have those doesn't have those pressing needs. Um, and I think the two biggest needs again are cornerback and safety. And we've seen that this is a pretty deep um, uh, defensive back class, at least in the first two rounds. So I think at that second round spot, they could still look to get a safety. So I, I don't think they'd necessarily need to trade up mm-hmm. to get a defensive back that can help their team. But if they want one of the top three guys, I think they do. And one of the guys I know, Brandon, will be upset if I don't mention his name, is on that front seven, they also have in their um, backup, Dean Lowry, yeah. who is a Boylan alum like Brandon. Um, he went to school with Dean. But now also one thing, too, I want to mention this, and it'll be the last thing I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing in, uh, what was his name? Uh, Mike Pettin. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Mike his Pettin? Is that his he last used to be the coach of the Browns. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, look, I, I'm so bad with the names. Mm-hmm. You know this about me. I'm so terrible. Especially Packer names because you kind of well, disassociate well, them no, being a person. I'm just saying, I, we, we've known this guy because yeah. he's a former uh, Cleveland Brown wasn't a coach. Good, like, wasn't a great um, head coach, but probably wasn't given the best opportunity in Cleveland. But you, I'm just saying... I'm terrible at looking at names mm-hmm. and then pronouncing it the right way. Yeah, the so if I'm saying guy. it wrong, my bad. Yeah, Mike Patton. But in Patton's time mm-hmm. at Cleveland, 2014-2015, they had two picks in, in both the 2014-2015 draft in the first round. 2014, eighth overall, they went Justin Gilbert, a corner. Then they went with Johnny Manziel at 22. Then at 2015, the 12th pick, they went Danny Shelton, defensive tackle. Then at 19, they went Cam Irving. Consistently, and now I know he's just the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. but in 2014-2015, the Browns addressed defensive players first. And if Pettin is really high on any of these guys, um, you know, uh, like uh, Josh Jackson, I can mm-hmm. totally see them going up and, and, and taking that him at 14. Or if they really get drastic, hell, maybe they do spring for a guy that could possibly change Pettin's, offense, Pettin's defense and help Aaron Rodgers out. And the one thing, this is a Mark-mandated joke that he would get mad if I did not say this in some way is I know I called Mike Patton terrible, but at least he has nine more wins than uh, the Wolverine Hugh Jackson, right? Because Mark used to, Mark always likes to say that Hugh Jackson's only got one one win in two years with yep. the Browns. But Well, Patton also didn't get a, a good enough shot. I mean, 79 his first year was decent it's for, also the for Browns. Browns. I mean, 79 yeah. is pretty I good. And also what? After, after 2015, he's been out of the league since getting this job back. So, good on Mike Patton. Yeah, no, he was out of the league. He was... Not uh, rooting for him, though. Brian, he was Packers. under the coaching staff of Brian Billick from 2002 to 07. Yep. 08, he was with John Harbaugh. Then Rex Ryan from 09 to 2012. Doug Marone in Buffalo in 2013. Head coach of the Browns, 14-15. And now he's on the staff of Mike McCarthy. So last thing we're going to do before we move on into the New England Patriots is kind of just final answer Give me your prediction. What's going to happen with the Packers when the draft rolls around? Packers, Are they going to trade up? What's going to happen? Packers will keep the 14th overall pick, and they will select, select Josh Jackson, cornerback out of Iowa. I'm going to say they keep the pick, and I don't know who the hell they're going to take. Come on. Like, th- th- well, this you just is- did a seven-round mock. Then if I'm going off my seven-round mock, it's Marvin da- Marcus Davenport. All right. I'm going I don't beat- think they need an edge. Well, I'm going, so I'm going B- and here's my whole thing with that pick. Yeah. Going BPA, can never have enough pass rush. Like, that's what I'm looking at there. I mean, I could have had him go Rashawn Evans, but yet again, I could have had him go Derwin D- James, and I didn't. Well, that's the thing. If Derwin James <laughs> is on the the board, yeah. they're taking him. I didn't. They're I had Der- I have Derwin falling to the Chargers. 
Yeah, I think I think if Derwin's there, mm-hmm. they're taking him. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. Packer fans, what do you want? Who are you going to trade up with? My big thing is, like I said, and I've said it so many times this segment, Colts Niners. Those are the only teams that I think you can trade with, and I just don't think there'll be enough dance partners to get this trade going. But let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Let's move on, though, into one of your favorite teams, the New England Patriots, which I got to ask you, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Does it feel, do you feel better now that, you know, everything's come out and Brady's going to play in 2012 and we don't have to talk about will he, won't he, and all that garbage? I love Adam Schefter. I do. (laughs) I if I could have his job, I'd have it. It'd be awesome having all those links. Could you could the you one, do five phone calls at one time though? I probably could. Okay. I'm just I'm pissed off at him. All right, <laughs> he came out with that article. It was it was it was annoying. And you got to protect no your asked, boy. No one asked Tom Brady, but <laughs> we could assume that he might not play. You got to protect your boy Tom. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is I'm I'm a Tom Brady fan and I'm a Bears fan. Mm-hmm. So you know when Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. I will probably root for them. So if he leaves for another team, do you become a fan of that team? Probably, yeah. So, like, if he leaves for – if he leaves and goes, let's say – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but yeah. if he goes to, like, the Packers, yeah. do you become a Packer fan? <laughs> <laughs> God, oh, God, Like, because no. that's what I'm thinking. I don't know if you hate any other team uh, in this league. No. Is there, a, there's, is there a team other than the Patriots you, or Packers that you hate? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, If Jets. he becomes a Jet, would you be a Jet fan? Would you go to that misery? Probably not. Because that's pretty miserable fan base. But the reason why I bring up Tom Brady yep. is there are rumors, like there are this week around this time, that the Patriots hosted Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and were impressed with Lamar Jackson. So here's the question I want to ask you, Sean, just being right to the point. Could the Patriots trade up for Lamar Jackson in the first round? Uh, could they? 100%. Having the capital that they do, having the uh, 23rd pick and the 31 overall pick, they have the firepower to do so, as well as the they? two second-round picks. Hold on real quick. So okay. they have the four picks, though, in the, in the top mm-hmm. in, in the first two rounds. Will they? No. It's Bill Belichick. Um, I have been alive for 20 years. Could not tell you the last time a Bill Belichick team traded up in the draft. So... If I'm placing bets on this, mm-hmm. no, they're not going to move up to get him. But if he falls to 23, they are definitely going to think about selecting Lamar Jackson. I'll change the wording one more time. You said, oh, they could. No, they won't. Should they? Because Shh. to me, the thing that I look at mm-hmm. is I love Lamar Jackson. He's yeah. one of my favorite players in this draft. The thing with the Patriots, though, is I don't know if they should move up for a Josh Jackson in the first when they can hit two needs in the in the first round and then get a guy like, let's say, a Luke Falk falls mm-hmm. to them in the third. So here's the thing. In our live mock draft, mm-hmm. I traded up with For the Lamar. 23rd overall pick to go up to, what was it, the 11th pick with Miami? Yeah. To to, to do that. I, I moved two thirds. Dolphin thir- fans hated because yeah. it was division division. I moved two thirds and a first mm-hmm. to get Lamar Jackson. If that's the trade, then One of hell those being yeah, a they future should move third. Up. Yeah. Hell yeah, they should move up. I mean, that was that that's that's robbery right there because you're jumping the Bills, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a, a a division foe to yeah. get a future franchise quarterback. Um, but I don't think it's going to be that cheap. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to trade up, knowing the Patriots. So um, I, I don't think that's going to be a thing. And the only way they do trade up, I think it is for a quarterback. I don't think you know ta- tackle is a massive need for the Patriots when they Nate Soldo leaving. Um, but 
again, I don't think there's a tackle that's worth taking before 23, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of tackles that they could go after. So that's one thing where I think if you know the Patriots are going to trade up, it's going to be a four quarterback, but I think it's going to take a lot and mm-hmm. at the right price, which is going to be, need to be fairly cheap for the Patriots to move up to get a guy like Lamar Jackson. There's only two scenarios I see it happening. The first scenario is if they say, hey, let's call the Packers, hey, let's call the Redskins, see if we can move up. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the Cardinals are taking Lamar Jackson. Like, that's what it is. Well, even the Dolphins can, too. The only other situation where I see them trading up is if the Cardinals shock the world, don't go quarterback in Lamar, then it's like, all right, Ravens, Chargers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Lions, Bengals, any of those teams could then become trade partners with the Patriots if they want to There's even move rumors up. that the Ravens might want them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, that's a, that's a dangerous spot, but I think if you get past the uh, the Cardinals at 15 with Lamar Jackson still on the board, it, it's a possibility. I think the, the two ways that the Patriots do move up, though, are if Josh Rosen has one hell of a tumble, mm-hmm. and if he gets to that, like, 10th pick, that's Which definitely people are a saying if there are any, like— the thing that I've been hearing when you watch ESPN and everything is that, one, Josh Rosen is trending down coming into the draft. Lamar Jackson's trending up. Mm-hmm. So many people are thinking like, oh, they're right here, that by the time we get to Thursday, they're going to flip an interest Nonsense. in Lamar Jackson could go before Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen will be off the board before mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is. I, I will guarantee that. Um, well, you can't bet your car. Like no, you said. I can't. Uh, <laughs> but I think with Rosen again, if he's if he falls to around ten, or if he falls to nine, if he falls to nine, I think the Patriots are making phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if Jackson 49ers like to trade too. Yeah, and I think if Jackson falls past Buffalo, the Patriots will make phone calls. Mm-hmm. Not saying that they will make the trade, but I think that they are definitely interested in him. This is why I, I, I'm going to say this. Let's go to the blind resumes. I, tw- I tweeted okay. this out on Twitter. I, I teased it a bit. I think it's been enough of a, a of a tease. Uh, we're going to pop this up on the screen. So as you see, we got four players here. Uh, the blind resumes. Player one, player two, player three, player four. All of these stats are from the player's junior year in college. So this does not mean... And did you already say these are all guys that are the last 10 years? Yes. In the so, draft? Yeah, so all of these guys have come out uh, in the past 10 years of the draft. So past from 2000... Uh, and eight to 2010, these players have been drafted or will be drafted. Um, well, th- there's a reason I'm bringing this up. So one of them is Lamar Jackson. Okay. Uh, but one of these guys is Lamar Jackson. Uh, so player one, player two, player three, player four. And all these stats are from the players' junior year in college. And pretty much what I'm trying to get from this is the progression players can make from their junior to senior year to the NFL. So player one threw the ball 298 times in college. His completion percentage was 64.4%. His touchdown to interceptions was 30 touchdowns to four interceptions. And rushing yards, he had 673 rushing yards. Player two had 396 passing attempts. He had a completion percentage of 61.6%. His touchdown to interceptions was 27 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Rushing yards was 986. Player three. Attempts, 430. Completion percentage, 59.1. Touchdown to interception ratio was 27 to 10. Rushing yards, 1,601. And finally, player four. Attempts, 527. His completion percentage was 58.4%. His touchdown to interception ratio was 28 to 14. And his rushing yards, 435. So Ricky Widmer. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are your blind resume of quarterbacks that have been drafted since 2008. What I want you to do is I want you to rank your players 
by number that they show up. So player one, player two, player three, player four. And before you do that, we put a vote out mm-hmm. on Twitter. Player one, there was eight votes on Twitter. Player one received 25% of the vote. Player two received 38% of the vote. Player three uh, received 25% of the votes. And player four proved uh, got 12% of the votes. Now, here's my thought process through this, because all these are quarterbacks, obviously. I was thinking, first off, I don't care about the rushing totals. Mm-hmm. I don't, because to me, I don't care if my quarterback is going to run for yards. That is not why you're a quarterback. You're a quarterback to throw the ball. However, mobility, getting getting into the pocket, out of the pocket, can be good. So the guy I put number one was player one. Okay. And the reason why I went into this the attempts played into it, like player four, yeah, he has a lower completion percentage, yeah. but he also threw the ball a hundred more times than the second most guy. So yeah, he he's did. throwing the ball a lot. So like that could play into it as well. However, maybe I'm thinking the guy from player one was probably in a maybe run first system or a pro style system, a system that I would like. I like the higher completion percentage. Also, the thing that trumped out everything to me was the touchdown interception. I love scoring touchdowns. I hate giving up the ball. He only had four INTs, so that's why I went with him. Number two, I'd go with player three. And the reason why, yes, I know he doesn't have the second highest completion percentage, but when I look at it, the touchdown to interception ratio is better than the other two, and, I mean, I can shave 2% off the completion percentage and be good. Plus, I'm assuming he's mobile because he has the most rushing yards out of any of them. Then if I had to at three, uh, I would go with player two, probably because he's got less intercept he's got mm-hmm. less interceptions and a higher completion percentage. And then number four would be my last guy. All right. And just tell me this. Yeah. Are any of these guys Jamarcus Russell? No, none of these thank guys God. are Jamarcus Russell. Like, He's thought, out of it because Jamarcus was 2007. Oh, thank God. I thought about that, and I'm like, please don't let player no. one be Jamarcus Russell. Well, um, do you want to take a guess who number one is? I know who number three is. Yes. And that's Lamar Jackson. Number three is Lamar Jackson. Now, player one, my my first thought was Carson Wentz. Nope. But no, that's not right. He's bad, isn't He's he? He's horrible. Guess what? He's playing baseball. It's Tim Tebow. Really? Timmy T. That's Tim Tebow? That's Tim Tebow's junior year. I thought that one of them was Tim Tebow. Here's the thing. You ranked them, mm-hmm. so far at least, you ranked them from the best pro. If you're going in reverse order, you had the best pro to the worst pro. Really? Number four, Russell Wilson. All right. Number two, Dak Prescott. Number three, Lamar Jackson. And number one, Tim Tebow. The reason why I did this was because Russell Wilson in his junior year was at North Carolina State. It wasn't until he went to Wisconsin mm-hmm. where that completion percentage jumped up to 72%, was, and he had an unreal touchdown-to-interception ratio in his senior year I was kinda, of 33-4. to four. I was kind of then nail on the head, though, with uh, player one, though, where mm-hmm. it was like, oh, he wasn't a guy that was asked to throw a lot. Yeah. He was in an Urban Meyer system that was smarter throws, wasn't taking many mm-hmm. deep chances down the field. That's the thing is— I look at player three in Lamar Jackson. And this, is why and this, I hate, this is why I hate this because you're be, never going to go off of just pure stats. It should be up on the screen. Oh, I hate player it, one, Tim Tebow. Tebow. Player two, Dak Prescott. Player three, Lamar Jackson. Player four, Russell Wilson. The thing, though, is mm-hmm. Russell Wilson didn't become great. And again, he wasn't terrible at, at North Carolina State as, as a stat show. Mm-hmm. But he didn't become 
the quarterback we see today until he was until in the he pros. was in the right system. In the he pros. was he was good in Wisconsin. He had more passing, but he didn't have the hype seven. that Tim Tebow had. No, but the hype doesn't saying. hype doesn't mean shit. That's what I'm trying to say, Ricky. I mean, 30, hype doesn't mean anything. But what I'm saying is, thirty to four touchdown to INT ratio is way better than but twenty-eight to fourteen. Different, but those are college stats, and that's exactly. not NFL. And and Russell Wilson in Wisconsin was in a more uh, more of a pro style offense. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing where again, if Lamar Jackson is in the right system, I feel looking at those numbers. The way that him and Lamar Jackson, him and Russell Wilson compare, mm-hmm. and Dak Prescott even, because Dak Prescott has been a, a, you know, a fantastic, a, you know, a good quarterback. I won't say fantastic, but a good quarterback so far for Dallas in his first two years. I really see Lamar Jackson's floor being a Dak Prescott and his ceiling being similar to Russell Wilson, probably a better athlete, a worse thrower. Player two was the highest ranked on our Twitter poll? Yes, Dak was. Okay. And, and Dak, again, was a, a fourth rounder. And player one was the lowest, right? Yeah. Okay. No, 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 player, no, player four was. Okay. Russ got the lot, least amount of votes. Okay. Again, Russell Wilson to become Russell Wilson until he was in the right system in match college. Match with Pete Carroll. Well, also in the NFL, yes, match with Pete Carroll. In, in college and clearly in, in mm-hmm. the NFL. He went to the Super Bowl twice. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like, he didn't make that transformation mm-hmm. until he was at Wisconsin, well, where he threw 309 passes uh, in his in, in senior year, mm-hmm. completed 72.8 of them. Threw for 33 touchdowns and four interceptions. And I'm he was glad. In a, in a system that he could rely on the run mm-hmm. with and in more of a pro-style offense where he wasn't really relying on his arm. I just think if Lamar is in the right system, he's proven that he has a really good mm-hmm. arm. He's one of the best athletes that we've ever seen at the position. I just think if the Patriots are there at 23 and he is available at 14 where the Packers are mm-hmm. or 13, I think you have to make the phone call. Again, it has to be yeah. for the right price. But I honestly think that Lamar Jackson could be a true game changer in the NFL. I love Lamar Jackson. And if he's in the right system, in a system in the NFL where the Patriots have been the most used shotgun team Mm -hmm. in the NFL since 2007, this could be the guy that can take over for Tom Brady. Here's the thing, and Mm -hmm. I'm glad you did this. The main reason is, is after you were kind of explaining it, the one thing that people are kind of saying now, and I heard this on The Herd, is the reason why guys like Bill Belichick are starting to put some interest into Lamar Jackson and are impressed by him is because just like I believe you said with Russell Wilson, Bobby Petrino, head coach of Lamar Jackson this past year, Bobby Petrino is not like, and I'm going to use the phrase that Cowherd said, although that I don't agree with this saying because I like college coaches, um, to where he's like, he's not one of these Hot shot college coaches that are like, ooh, I'm a good recruiter for the Texas region. Bobby Petrino's a guy who, former NFL coach, NFL system at Louisville, Lamar Jackson can make NFL-type throws. Yeah, He's played in an NFL system in college, already has that experience behind him, and Bobby Petrino speaks highly of him. Plus... I like Lamar Jackson because last year after he won the Heisman, I saw him on the Dan Patrick show and how humble this kid is, is just how he carries himself. I'm like, I want this guy on my, I want this kid to be a Viking. Although we had Teddy Bridgewater at the time. I think he's humble. Mm -hmm. I think he, he is clearly athletic for the position. Mm -hmm. I think he is underrated as a quarterback. Again, I understand that seeing that completion percentage under 60% Mm -hmm. is something that I've nailed Josh Allen about. But it's also about, you look at Lamar Jackson and, and his yards per attempt, mm-hmm. it's well over eight 
And that was yeah. one thing that it's the combination of Allen where he's playing up against Wyoming competition, completing under 60% of his passes, mm-hmm. and not throwing the ball deep down the field. Again, I know he has the arm strength to do it. But and it's Josh, and it's a- Josh Allen's not playing in a pro-style system, I don't think. I don't know enough about Wyoming to say so. so. Um, but again, yards per attempt, it's well under seven. I think that's just the problem there. Jackson completing under 60% of his passes. That's also against an ACC schedule, and he's still taking more shots down the field at 8.6 yards per, per attempt. Mm-hmm. I really love Lamar Jackson. I think he's the fourth best quarterback in this draft, but that doesn't mean I don't think he can't be a star. And again, in the right system, I think he can really flourish. Not calling him a system quarterback or anything like that, but being in the right He's got to have the right coach. Being in the right, having the right coaches, knowing what his limitations are, and also playing behind one of the best quarterbacks of all time is going to rub off of him. And I think, again, this kid wants to prove himself, which is why he didn't run the 40 at his, his pro day, why he didn't run the 40 at the combine, is because he doesn't want to be seen as a wide receiver. He wants to prove he can be a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think he wants to break that stigma of Heisman Trophy winners are typically not great quarterbacks in the NFL. I also picked a Heisman winner. So, yeah, he did. Um, (laughs) And again, he he wants to break that mold. Whether it's Sam Bradford getting injured consistently, Tim Tebow not being an NFL quarterback. Mm -hmm. Again, I think Lamar Jackson has the humbleness. I think he has the mindset. I think he has the determination to be a great NFL quarterback to pair with his great talent. And I think think the Patriots realize this, and I think they might gamble on him if he is there at 13 or 14, so they can jump the Cardinals. Which the thing I will say, the only defense I will have for Tim Tebow is that if he actually had a coaching staff and had a system that wanted to help him with his mechanics and not just throw him to the Wolves in Denver, Mm -hmm. maybe he would have panned out. He also won a playoff game. I will will say, though, and I know people are probably uh, Mm -hmm. going to crap on this, Josh McDaniels. The, the exactly. two link between those two those two players in, in, mm-hmm. in Team in Tebow and uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, Tim, uh, Josh McDaniel was such a high, so high on uh, on uh, Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously we saw what worked out with that in uh, in Denver, uh, and then going and picking Lamar Jackson. Maybe it's not the right place, but I, I truly believe that working with Tom Brady, working with Josh McDaniels, and working with Bill Belichick could be truly a great thing for Lamar Jackson. Um, and I, I think that the Patriots, again, they might not end up with Lamar Jackson because they do have a ton of needs on that team. But if they are able to keep the 31st overall pick and move up a couple of slots, nine slots to take Lamar Jackson at that 14th spot with Green Bay or maybe the 13th spot uh, with Washington, I truly think that is a possibility. And if it's for the right price, they should do that. Now, the one thing I am looking with Wyoming's offense, because that's a little question. I know we talked about Josh Allen Earlier, um, I'm reading a thing from Husker Chalk Talk when they were doing a breakdown before their game with Wyoming. The one thing I'm seeing is they run a lot of I-formation all night with runs, so it could be that they're a pro-style system at all. But the thing that I was going to go with is kind of comparing the Josh Allen-Lamar Jackson, because you brought Josh Allen into this, with the completion percentage— that's why going back to that, it could be decision-making for Josh Allen, whereas Lamar Jackson was, hey, I'm going to throw down the field, and there were throws where it's just like, it was almost like that Brett Favre-ism to it, mm-hmm. to where it's like, I can fit a pin needle through that hole 
fuck it, I'm going to do it. But I, I also think with, with, with Jackson, again, he didn't. I, I, this is very similar to Allen. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to, to take that away. Allen didn't have a ton of weapons around him. Neither did Lamar. Yeah. Lamar didn't have a, a great weapons on there. But, but did but, Louisville have a better offensive coach and system than Wyoming? Yes, but also he was going up against harder opponents. That too. And, and the thing is, I write off you know his big three games, Josh Allen's big mm-hmm. three games, and the low amount of completion percentage that he had. One of them against Josh Jackson, and he picked him off, I think, twice in that yeah, game. Yeah, but let's look at the games that mm-hmm. the big games that Lamar Jackson had this year against Clemson. They lost that game, 47-21. Mm-hmm. Was it Lamar Jackson's fault? I don't think so. 21 of 42, 317 yards, 50 completion percentage. Not great. Again, I'm not How many INTs did he have? Three touchdowns, one interception. Okay. Oh, it's pretty good, right? It was uh, last year he had the multiple INT game against uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he, Yeah, that's one thing that uh, Lamar Jackson didn't do this year was uh, you know throw that many interceptions. Mm-hmm. The only game that he had more interceptions than touchdowns was the bowl game uh, against Mississippi State where he uh, was two for four. Uh, but... Let's look at that Florida State game. 13-21, 61.9% completion percentage for 156 yards, one touchdown, 178 yards rushing. What? One touchdown. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in that Clemson game, he had uh, 64 rushes for uh, on 17 carries. And then finally, the other probably big game on that schedule, uh, who was it? I mean, they, they kind of played a weak schedule this year. Uh, I mean, you could throw in North Carolina, at North Carolina, 47-35 victory. I mean, they were the were last year, though. 64.1%, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 132 yards rushing mm-hmm. and three touchdowns. Um, yeah, but I mean, like they didn't play that that well, tough of a, a schedule this year, really. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at looking at it now, um, but let's look back at the you know the big Florida State game, th- week three of 2016, 63 to 20, 13 to 20, 216 yards, one touchdown, one reception, then also 146 y- yards on the ground and four touchdowns. That's the other element. If he's not a great cor- if he's not a great passer, if he's not doesn't have that working, he's a dangerous threat running mm-hmm. the ball. So well, I just think he he has so much. You know, it's, it's so much to bring to a team than just his arm, and, and I think that's something that's 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 uh, commendable. And if he's able to put the dedication to fix his problems, make the right reads, and really you know improve his ability as a mm-hmm. quarterback, you can't pass up on that. Th- and to kind of bring the Patriots back into this, I feel like right now, if you put a gun to my head and say what's going to happen, Lamar Jackson, he's going fifteen to the Cardinals. Yeah. I feel like the Cardinals are going to take him because they'd be stupid not to. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Sam Bradford's the guy there, but you can take Lamar Jackson, sit him behind Sam Bradford where he can kind of learn the NFL like pace and style from learning through Sam Bradford being out there, and you can give him time to learn. With the Patriots, I don't think they should trade up for Lamar Jackson. Would it be nice for him to be sitting behind Tom Brady? Yes, and does it put a clock against Tom Brady? No, because you could say Lamar Jackson needs to sit there and learn a little bit of the NFL game. But like if I'm the Patriots, keep those first two rounders. For me, I'm thinking cornerback and linemen, offensive linemen in the first round. Then in the second round, maybe going more offensive line. And in the third round, like originally before I had, because there was one change I made to my full mock draft, and that was, the Chargers going with Mason Rudolph. Before that change, Luke Falk went all the way to the Patriots at the, what, 31st pick mm-hmm. of the third round. So, like, to me, that's a guy where that's a Patriot pick. Let's go mm-hmm. third round. Let's take a guy like Luke Falk where it's like he's kind of that, like, yeah, he's got an arm, might not be the most accurate, but he's also he a player. He turns all over too much for me. 
but in the right system with the right coach, could he be coached up to not do that? That's where, like, the Kyle Oletta I mean, pick. I mean, Mike Mike Leach was his head coach in college. And we know, but we know how Mike Leach uh, quarterbacks do in the NFL. That error rate isn't really too good for him. Mm-hmm. But that's where Kyle Laletta comes in. <laughs> I mean, that guy from uh, the Richmond Spiders. Uh, but no, look you at think the he's a Patriot pick? Laletta? Yeah. Hell yeah. He's from the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's 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 got the body. Just he's, like Jimmy Garoppolo. G- just like that Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, middle like of nowhere. Jimmy Garoppolo and that uh, juice man from the Outcast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, with the Patriots, I wouldn't be shocked if they trade up for Lamar, Lamar Jackson if he's there at thirteen or uh, fourteen with the what Redskins and Packers. I think they definitely make those calls. Um, I don't know if the deal gets done because the price might be too high. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't go Lamar Jackson, uh, I think at the 23rd pick, they'll go with a linebacker, uh, probably Vanderush. Um, and then at the 31 pick, they'll probably go Connor Williams or uh, Colton Miller to tackles. Well, this is where I'm going to turn it on to you guys. Let us know what you guys think. Should the Patriots trade up for Lamar Jackson? Quick, Will they? If, if Josh Jackson's still there. Make him, make him a Patriot. I don't think he's going to be there, though. I don't think he is either. If he is, If he is there, make him a Patriot. If he is, you could. But let us know what you guys think. Should the Patriots move up for Lamar Jackson? Will they move up for Lamar Jackson? Could they move up? All the would-have, could-have, should-haves. What will they do? What quarterback would you like to see on the Patriot roster? Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. But, Sean, let's end this long podcast. I wonder really how long this is going to be at the end. It's going to be a long podcast. Because... I averaged it out. So if we went at least 20 minutes on each one, which I think we almost did, I think the Packer one's the only one where we didn't go 20 minutes on, Mm -hmm. that's about 100 minutes of podcast awesomeness. So this podcast could be going closer to two full hours. And if you guys are on Blog Talk Radio, thank you guys for that. Well, because think about it. If we go 20 minutes, it's 100 how many times do we usually go more than that? It's true. So this could be closer to a two-hour podcast. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, if you're on podcast services around the world, want well, to thank you guys for that. Or if you're listening to the full thing on YouTube, you're also listening to a two-hour podcast. But if you're here for the one segment, we are talking about non-first-round sleepers. So one of the things that we have not looked at through this whole draft process not much, I should say. The The Primetime Podcast did so last week with the running backs and Shaquem Griffin. But looking at guys who, not first-round guys, could be sleepers for teams. I'm going to start off with you, obviously, because I'm not going to throw it to myself. Who are you looking at out of the first round to be a sleeper? Are you going to go with the guy I know you're going to bring you up? You know who damn well. I wore, <laughs> I wore the sweatshirt for a reason. It's my boy, the six four and three quarters, 214-pound wide receiver from Notre Dame University, Equinemius St. Brown. On ESPN, they have him ranked the, as the 15th wide receiver and overall as the 122nd best player in the 2018 NFL draft. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> this guy is an absolute double not stud. so fast. I don't know what. Uh, no. Well, it's Lee Corso. Double not so fast. Not nah, just not so. Not not so fast. Not so fast, my <laughs> friend. Equinemius St. Brown. This kid has everything to be a stud in the NFL. I know that you look at his drop rates. He's not that great with his hands. Mm-hmm. He uses more of his body to catch the ball. But if you look at the measurables that he has, having. Uh, being six four and three four, four six four and three fourths of an inch, you could just say six five. Running a four four eight, having massive hands at nine and three uh, quarters, and then uh, having his arms be thirty three inches. This kid is a stud. And the one thing that I love about him is he's got slot receiver speed with that massive body. Mm-hmm. And 
people question his hand strength. People question his ability to, um, you know, attack the ball at at, at high points, and, and people attack, you know, uh, you know, really pick apart his separation skills. But I have consistently seen at Notre Dame when he's running slant routes, when he's running under routes. And he's in that 10 to 15 yard range. He's able to create that separation. He's able to pull away, drag, running uh, left, right to left or left to right against defenses. And then he's able to use that speed up the sideline to burn teams. And I think, you know, early on in his career, I don't think he's going to be, you know, that number one guy you go to. But if you draft him with a great wide receiving coach and you draft him with, you know, a coaching staff that's going to put time into him and he's able to accept those criticisms. I honestly think Equinemius St. Brown has all the measurables to be a stud. And one thing, you know, people bring up Doriel Green Beckham. He had the measurables. But the one thing that Doriel Green Beckham had was a ton of off the field issues. Equinemius St. Brown has not had that. No. I think this kid has everything you need to be to be a stud in the M- NFL. I was going to say NBA because so used to the fast break. In the NFL, and also another thing that killed him, last year he had Brandon Wimbush as his quarterback. Brandon Wimbush is a terrible quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's a good running quarterback, but he's a terrible passing quarterback. He didn't have that quarterback. And when you saw him with Deshaun Kaiser uh, in Kaiser's last year at Notre Dame, there was some special magic going between Equinemia St. Brown and Deshaun And you're Kaiser. saying he's a third rounder to you? Um, I see third to fifth round for Equinemia St. Brown. Because on NFL.com, you're kind of similar to them. You say third to five, they say three to four. Do you want to guess who their pro comparison is for Equiminius? It's a guy who's not in the league anymore. Not in the league anymore? He played from 2012 to 2017 with three different teams. Jesus, let me get this wrong. He's from Uh, Bartlett, Illinois, is where he was born. uh, Is it that uh, Aurelius Ben? No idea. Andre Holmes. Oh, Andre, Andre Holmes, Holmes isn't late league anymore. He his Formal. last day. Oh, he is 2017. I forgot it's not 2018 yet. <laughs> I was about to say. So he is. Well, He's with is the Bills right now. 2018. But. Yeah, but I mean the stats; those wouldn't be up because that season hasn't started. So yeah, he's I technically could, still in the league. I could see Andre Holmes. I, I mean, six four, two ten wide receiver. But and I think, but I, but I think you know that's that's probably the middle of his mm-hmm. floor. His floor could be he's out of the league in three years. Yeah, like he, he has a very low floor. Mm-hmm. His middle is probably an Andre Holmes. Mm-hmm. But I honestly look at his ceiling to be high. And again, I'm not showing my bias here. I'm a Notre <laughs> Dame fan, and I, I I've been watching. You watched been, a lot of them, but I've been watching a lot of them exactly. And and you see the plays that he makes in that Texas game in 2016, where that was a two overtime battle where Kaiser mm-hmm. was being pulled left and right. He wasn't consistently being out there on the field. But when he was, there was magic being made between him and Equinemius St. Brown. Mm-hmm. You look at that Syracuse game. Four receptions, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Magic happening out there. In the USC game back in 2016, seven catches, 94 yards, one touchdown. That is up against great competition uh, against USC at USC there. He goes out and has a great game. Equinemius St. Brown didn't have the pleasure of having a great quarterback with him. And again, you know, catching the ball with your body is a huge problem for wide receivers, and it's tough to get rid of. And showing that aggressiveness in wide receivers is, is is something that is more of an inherent trait than mm-hmm. one that is learned. But maybe again, if this is a kid, because the the St. Brown family has been called to the you know compared to the balls of the <laughs> uh, of the NFL, just because there's three brothers that all have NFL. Is potential, he the first one? I believe he is. So he's the Lonzo of the family. He's the Lonzo. Um, I, I have a feeling that again, 
if this is all being built up to be a pro mm-hmm. and not having those quarterbacks that could put you in the right situation like uh, a Brandon Wimbush last year, having the right quarterback that can give you those balls might show the aggressiveness. Again, I'm not saying it will, but if once you're in the NFL, his demeanor might change, and that's a lot to bank off of. But I think if that demeanor changed, he has the ability to become a number one receiver in the NFL. Now, I love Equiminius St. Brown. And in my mock draft, I kind of did you a favor because you wanted him on the Bears. I put him on the Bears just for you. We don't need, we don't um, need wide receivers, but I, I appreciate well, it. The, thing that, the reason why I could see him being a good fit for the Bears is he could be your third wide receiver. And, I yeah. mean, with whatever happens with Kevin White, if you have Kevin White becomes your number two, Allen Robinson's your number one, Equiminius St. Brown is right there as your number three. You need a wide receiver because you got rid of Cam Meredith because you didn't match or match his offer sheet. They could be a well, team. Uh, Taylor Gabriel as well. And Taylor Gabriel. Forgot about him as well. But also, he's not a slot guy. He's an outside guy. So yeah. Gabriel, Allen, and Equiminius St. Brown is your one, two, mm-hmm. three. Well, Allen would be one, Gabriel would be two. The interesting thing with St. Brown, though, and the other receiver that I'm going to bring up as a sleeper is Antonio Callaway, who's a guy who, to me, if he wouldn't have had so many personal problems at Ooh. Florida, he'd be a second-round talent. That's something that, that again, the guy I've just brought up, Doriel Green, back mm-hmm. up, screams that to me. You think Callaway uh, screams off that? Off-the-field issues in college typically do not bold well mm-hmm. unless you're a first-round talent. Like, like, how many guys have we seen that are second, third, fourth-round talents mm-hmm. that have had off-the-field issues in college and gone to be great pros? Like, you know, unless, mm-hmm. unless the, it's it's dramatic, dramatic situations, usually you don't see guys, unless they're first-round talents, really succeed um, in the NFL if they have outside problems before they even hit the NFL. But, like, this is a guy who, for almost a 4-4-40, he was off by .01 of a 4-4-40 has speed, can take the top off of a defense. And for me, I see him as a kind of like Equiminius St. Brown, that 3-4, I might take St. Brown before I take Callaway because of those issues. But with both of these guys, it's going to be interesting to what team takes them. And for Callaway, it's going to be a team that needs a, needs a guy who can go down the field. For Brown, I think it would be closer to, ah, we got some receivers we might need a slot guy. So, like, for St. Brown, the Packers in the third could take him. I could see the Titans going ahead and taking him. The Saints going ahead and taking him. The Cardinals, they have two picks in that third round. And with Callaway, the team that I had him going to, who now need a wide receiver because they lost Willie Sneed, who could also take St. Brown, is the Saints. Because what's a better coach to work with a kid than Sean Payton? And the thing with Callaway is if he's in the third where I have him mocked, might be a little bit of a risk, but four and after, I'll take a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, if he didn't have those personal issues at Florida, we'd be mocking him in the second round. We'd be saying that he's a top wide receiver. You can't, like, it would be, he'd be in the James Washington. He's probably better than James Washington um, with the mock two. A team, he'd be in that like middle to late second round. That's why I kind of bring up Callaway as a sleeper, although I don't know if teams are going to overlook the issues that he had at Florida this past year. Yeah. I mean, again, just player concerns, player issues just really 
rubbed well, me the wrong way. Well, they harp with you because, like, Orlando Brown is the guy that rubbed you the wrong way, well, too. Well, that's different. Cause like you said on the live mock draft is laziness that's, is what you said But that's him. different than off-the-field issues. Yeah. Like, that's, that's something where if I'm taking a first round, if Orlando Brown's in the second round mm-hmm. and he's still there, um, his on-field production at Oklahoma is enough to be a second-round pick. But if I'm a Patriot fan and I'm looking at Orlando Brown, seeing that he runs that slow of a 40, doesn't really put a ton of effort into his bench press, the combine, that just rubs me the wrong way. Because mm-hmm. this is supposed to be the biggest day of your life, and you're not coming up for the competition. Yeah. Like, that that, that just rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you have Baker, who was great under pressure, but also Baker wasn't under that much pressure. Baker was getting well, that ball out quick. Look at Shaquem Griffin. Mm-hmm. I know that it's a different situation because um, you could say that having being in the situation Shaquem Griffin is, he never was given anything and had to work for everything. But, like, look at that situation. Biggest day of his life, and he comes to play and proves everyone Sets wrong. Sets an NFL record. Mm-hmm. For fastest running, uh, linebacker 40. Yep. Insane. Which, which I believe, and this is the weird thing, the same exact time that his brother ran a year ago. That's right. His brother's a different n- position, though. near it, though, right? It was like 4-3 no, or 4-4. Four, four. Because I, the mom... The mom on the E60 thing they did said the same time, so that's mm. where I got that from. She could be off by like a second or two, but hey, gotcha. who am I going to tell Mama Griffin that she's wrong? That's true. Uh, another, Who's your second sleeper? I was going to go right into it. Another <laughs> guy that I have, uh, actually, he's an Oswego boy. He's, okay. a, he's an Illinois guy. Uh, I saw this guy play. Uh, if He went to Dubuque, mm-hmm. uh, Dubuque College. Uh, so, uh, you know, cornerback. Yeah, made some made yep. some trips up there. Uh, Michael Joseph, uh, the cornerback from Dubuque. Uh, I made some trips up there. I got some family up in mm-hmm. Iowa. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I was up there, and uh, he proved at the Senior Bowl to be a, a really nice prospect. He attacks the ball real well. Pretty good athlete. Um, you know, we overlook these guys because of the competition that they're playing, and, you know, I brought that up against quarterbacks, but that's first-round quarterbacks compared to a guy in Michael Joseph where, you know, he's a, a mid a mid pick, a mm-hmm. mid-round pick. So you're not drafting this guy to be the franchi- face of your franchise. But again, Michael Joseph, kid from Oswego, Really good athlete, attacks the ball extremely well. Um, the biggest knock, again, is, you know, he didn't play, you know, high enough competition. Mm-hmm. But in the competition that he was, 2015 was first team All-Iowa Conference Honors. Um, he was the Defensive Player of the Year, uh, I think it was last year. Uh, he tied fifth for uh, in division with uh, eight interceptions, also compiling uh, 56 stops and eight pass breakups. This kid attacks the ball insanely well. Um, really good athlete. Shut down a ton of players. Uh, projected in probably like the fifth to seventh round. I think in that slot, if you're looking for a corner, you're a draft one. Let's say you're the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I honestly think he's he's a guy um, again that he could be your contingency plan if you don't get a guy, or maybe even the Packers. Mm-hmm. If you don't get the guy that you need, you still need corner help in the fifth to seventh round. I think a guy like. Michael Joseph, with his ability to swing his hips around, mm-hmm. get around, and attack the ball, I think he could be a really nice nickel, uh, even though he's 6'1", uh, with his speed. I think he could be a really nice nickel uh, and, and possibly help your uh, your, your, your man-to-man uh, defensive coverages. If you look at my full mock draft, you would definitely say Michael Joseph is a sleeper. He went end of the seventh round, near the end of the seventh round to me. I'll let you guess the team, but I'll give you the division. He's going to the AFC South. Ooh. Well, if he's going to the end, it's got to be Jacksonville. It's Jacksonville. That'd be a complete sleep. Could you imagine him? Like, yeah, lack of competition. Yeah, let's just give him to Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't need him to be the star guy. He could just be, like, 
at best a nickel corner. Yeah. And help out that defense. Well, and the biggest thing, the biggest knock that I've seen on him on on, on all these scouting reports is the competition mm-hmm. he's played. But like, but that's something that when I don't... are we gonna when are we gonna get past that? Because like the same thing with Carson Wentz in mm-hmm. the first round was oh he plays at North Dakota well, State and then it's like look at what he comes out uh, again. To obviously, again that that's that, a first round talent. Yeah, yeah. I know the talent is no, no. off. But I'm saying again, I I brought that up consistently. Mm-hmm. I was wrong about that. I, again, I could be wrong yeah. about a guy like Josh Allen, but it, it's it's more of. Well, you can also say that I was a young kid back then. No, but it's, I still am a young kid. But but again, going back to that stuff, it's it's mm-hmm. that's my that's the future of my franchise. Yeah, that's the future quarterback. That's mm-hmm. the guy I'm putting a second round pick that I traded up to get to, mm-hmm. uh, and taking him. That's why I'm bringing up the competition. Where play. Michael Joseph is, hey, I could take a flyer on him in the sixth mm-hmm. and the seventh, and if he doesn't pan out, who cares? It's the seventh. Exactly, and I, I think this kid. If the biggest knock on him is the competition that he's played, mm-hmm. give him the opportunity to prove himself in the NFL. Because he proved himself at D2, mm-hmm. um, at Dubuque. I think he can prove himself in the uh, in the NFL. And uh, an AFC personnel director, uh, this is from NFL.com, uh, it says, sources tell us he can run and go get the ball. He's raw, but he has the talent you want from a cornerback. Why would you want a technician who can't play the ball? Uh, he can be coached up. He's mm-hmm. a coachable kid. He's a guy that can attack the ball. He's speedy, shifty, and you know we see with these guys D two or even smaller D one schools. Let's like an Antonio Brown. If they have the mental makeup that they want to prove themselves, they go out and do it because they have nothing to lose being this late of a pick, and they have to make the NFL team. Yeah, because if they're not, they're going to have to go rely on the uh, education that they just got for the past four years, and they're you know not being able to live out the dream of playing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This kid has everything that you want for the mental makeup and the talent to be a pick in the NFL draft, and I think he can be again a guy that makes an NFL roster as the fourth or fifth fifth starter or a fourth or fifth cornerback. And we've seen guys like Malcolm Butler, who again undrafted uh, back then. But come on to an NFL roster, want to prove themselves, and then I'm getting a great payday for themselves. The guy I'm going to go with, I'll go, I'll pr- match it defense for defense. This one, people might say, oh, come on, Ricky, he's going to be a high second, not much of a sleeper, Lorenzo Carter. Mm-hmm. This is a kid I absolutely love. This is a guy who, if there was the right team at the end of the first round, I'd even take him at, if a team took him at the end of the first round. Like I'm talking Patriots, Eagles range, maybe Viking range. The last four picks of that first round, I'd be like, "All right, you went ahead and got the guy. It's not that much of a reach." This is a guy who, whether you're a three-four, whether you're a four-three, he's a guy that's going to go sideline to sideline at the outside linebacker position. And just watching him play it along with Roquan Smith in that attacking Georgia defense. Like, I'm like, sign me up for this guy. Sign mm-hmm. me up for him. And the one team I'm kind of thinking about trading up for him if they do, I could see like a team like the Cowboys day two saying like, ah, we need a linebacker. Let's trade up for this kid. Let's get that guy. Or somebody who like the Steelers I know need that linebacker who can kind of play side to side, although that they picked up the 50-year option on Bud Dupree. Someone that needs that linebacker talent could trade up for him in the second round and could get a steal at the beginning of the second round, even if they have to give up a few picks. Just because, to me, if there wasn't so many people ahead of him, he could be a first-round talent in this league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I like him a lot. And, and, and looking at Carter, I think he could be a really explosive player. 
Um, and, and like you said, he jumps off the tape when you're watching him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's a guy that I, I think that could truly be a, a game changer. Again, you know, we, we're talking about sleepers, and, and you mentioned these are outside the first round guys. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned a guy who, you know, is, is mocked in the second round. But again, you look at him and, and you watch what he does and his ability on the field. He can be a guy that, again, has first-round talent, but teams, if they're not believing in him, going to fall to him in the second mm-hmm. round. And, again, if he thinks he's a first-round talent, it's all about that mental makeup to just turn a sleeper into a star. And I think that's something that's absolutely massive. When you when you mention a guy like Lorenzo Carter, um, again, it, it's something that you need to have that uh, right mindset. And, and, again, you know, he, he, he he's – you know, hi- hidden behind a guy like Rokon Smith, and if he feels like you know he was a better player, it's all about I got to prove that I'm better than Rokon. Well, two guys I I think of when you say that one is because of injury, the other one, and they're both from the same draft. They're from the 2016 draft. Both of them went in the second round. One of them actually went to the Cowboys. The injury one, Jalen Smith, the Notre Dame linebacker. Um, and then also another linebacker from UCLA in 2016 who went to the Jaguars at 36 overall in the second round, Miles Jack. Miles mm-hmm. Jack was a guy that I want to say in my 2016 mock draft, I was mocking him in the first round. I think you had him fifth overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Did I? Mm-hmm. Did I have him that high? Yeah. I have to double check Well, he had an injury that problem, one. so that was why. Yeah. Why but I mean, like those two injury, I know Jalen Smith got injured in his bowl game. Yeah. And that's why he fell. That's why I was so shocked that the Cowboys got him. But, like, Lorenzo Carter kind of feels like the same without the injury to me, where it's like he'll go in that first few picks of the second round. Whoever gets him is going to get a steal. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're coming from. And I like his versatility as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he showed that he was Edge rusher, super aggressive. side to side. Yeah, and, I, I, again, he's, he's a natural athlete right there. And, again, if he has that right makeup mm-hmm. and you're that great of an athlete, you can really find a spot to be Placed on the field in an eleven-man roster on the on a defensive team or on, on, on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. So uh, yeah, Lorenzo Carter is a beast. It's just the the one thing I worry about with him is um, you know he he isn't really that strong, so he's going to need to add uh, some some muscle to his body. Um, and again, he was outshined by other players. Mm-hmm. You know, um, at some points he, again he did jump off the tape, like I was saying. Like you you see the speed of him. Yeah. Uh, you see you see his you know combine skills and he's just jumping off the page. Um, but again, at some points he was outshadowed by by the rest of that Georgia defense. But and it's, it's also tough to look at it and be like, you know, you look at Rokon Smith. Rokon Smith might be too small for the NFL, mm-hmm. and Carter and has he's more mocked of, in the top ten. And, Car- and Carter has more uh, more of an NFL body. Mm-hmm. So again, they might be flipping here. When, when you have this great of a defense like Georgia did, it's tough to see who the true stars on because everyone does just a little bit. You, I, I, I think a great example of that would be Starla Tula from the uh, the, the Panthers right mm-hmm. now. Great defensive nose tackle, but really doesn't have the stats to back that up. Yeah. But he does so much for everybody else. He mm-hmm. sets everybody else up on that defensive Panthers front seven because he's so strong. He's always pushing the line forward. He's always opening up other gaps for his teammates to 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 to, to attack. So Lorenzo Carter, again, it's going to be interesting to see where he comes and, and places himself on an NFL roster. You got one more for We'll each give one more. All right. How many did you have left? I had one more. Okay. I didn't know if you had, like, two left, and you're like, oh, I'll pick one. I had a true football guy. Okay. This guy is, uh, again, from Illinois. Shocker. I'm okay. going with an Illinois guy. From Wabonzi okay. East, Troy Fumagalli from uh, Ooh, Wisconsin. That's a fun, that was a fun end. name. He's got one finger. 
Uh, he's, he's got one finger missing. He's got. Does he's got he? a four. He's got. He's got four fingers on. I think I believe his right hand. Uh, senior tight end, Richard. Uh, senior tight end out of Wisconsin. Six four and three fourths. Uh, Two forty seven. Mm-hmm. Guy isn't big, but he's a competitor. Was a red. Uh, was a red shirt freshman, but also walked on to this Wisconsin team. Then ends up getting invited to the Senior Bowl. Gets invited to the NFL Combine and was a Mackey Award finalist. Uh, in his senior year, Troy Fumagalli doing this all with again four fingers uh, on his right hand. This kid is a big dude. He has some athleticism to him. Again, he's not a great stud. You know, mm-hmm. he's not a big dude. Not really impressive um, in a uniform. Isn't really going to jump out. Uh, you know, watching him in a lineup or anything like that. He's not really overly muscular. He's not overly quick. But again, it's something about what's inside a dude. And again, you look at Tom Brady, nothing jumped off the page uh, in that gangly dude from San Mateo Beach, California. Uh, Tom was a great athlete, though, uh, being a two-star stud. Mm-hmm. But Troy Fumagalli truly think that he has the heart and the mindset to be a, 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 a good tight end in the NFL. Well, Maybe won't be a number one, but I think he, he'd be a guy that has a 10-year career in the NFL. He's a guy to me where, like, yeah, he doesn't have the athletic ability to, like, yeah, I'm going to outrun coverages and get myself open, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that... In play action, can get open. Like if, hey, I'm going to run down the line and, oh, the quarterback's going to hit me right by the line of scrimmage and I'll get a couple of yards. Or he can kind of poke holes in a zone where it's like, all right, find the open zone. I'm going to go there, sit there, wait for the pass kind of a thing. The team, it's funny that you say that, you bring him up because the team I have him going to is a team that might not necessarily need him to be the number one tight end but needs a tight end. Got him going to the Saints in the fifth round. I like that. Like, that's one where also, yeah. if he's going to be well in play action, they've got two backs to where they can do play action with Drew Brees. Uh, did they just bring back Ben Watson? Yes. Okay. They just didn't. Sure. Then Kobe Fleener has not panned out the way they wanted yeah. him to. I love that Ben Watson yeah. signing. Ben but Watson, like, when healthy, is still at 34, yeah. 35. Ben uh, Watson could be the main guy, Fumagalli. Behind him could be well, that could kind also of, be, you know, just could also be like a third tight end. Too. Every time you need him, like just going out there to just catch a ball. Josh Hill on the roster? I think so. Okay, don't quote me on that one. I, st- I still think they could be a th- he could be a third guy. And and Fumagalli again, I think he's got the heart. Mm-hmm. He could, can will his way onto an NFL roster. And again, there's nothing you're that- going very. Hometown guys for our home oh, state on. guys for us. Come on, I'm watching Big Ten football and I'm going mm-hmm. out to the Buke, Iowa. And I know I'm probably going to say his last name wrong. You didn't bring up uh, the only Illinois player that I had uh, drafted in my seven-round, Christian Delorio, offensive lineman. Where's he from? Illinois. University of Illinois? Yeah. I don't care about University of Illinois. Yeah, he's the only University of Illinois player that's probably going to get drafted uh, this year. We could have brought up uh, Jackson, too. Justin Jackson. I think it's Mm -hmm. Justin Jackson from uh, Northwestern, the running back. He's going to be a good one, too. Last guy I have for my sleeper is he's... (sighs) I feel like he's going to be a sleeper, but he could also not be. That's why he's my last one. Yeah. He's my most intriguing, I'll put it that way, prospect of not first round. Tavares McFadden, mm-hmm. Florida State. Mm-hmm. Reason why, last year, before he decided to stay at Florida State, he was a guy consistently first round. Yeah. First round for both Mark and I. Late first round, middle first round, but he's in the first round. So first round talent. Comes back to Florida State this year. People say, ah, he gives up a a lot of touchdowns. But to me, I wonder if it's, well, you know, he had that first-round talent once. Whatever happened at Florida State this past year, can you put it behind him and with the right team show the 
streaks that we saw his junior year that made our two years ago that made us want to put him in the first round. And also with that, look at the culture and, and, what, and, and the state of what was going on at Florida State. Francois, Not a good one. Francois goes down. Mm-hmm. Consistent rumors of Jimbo leaving. And he does that team leave. was not healthy at all. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, like it, it, it was a it was a rough situation and a rough season for Florida State that highly could have played into what was going on in Tavares McFadden's career and, and, and mindset that he wasn't just in a football mindset. Might be a detriment, and, and teams might look down upon that. But again, if you're taking a third, second, fourth round flyer on this kid, again, you said the talent was there before, and the Talent really doesn't go away mm-hmm. unless you aren't taking care of your body. That's a big problem if he isn't. But, again, if you're able to come into an NFL camp and at least show that you're putting in that work ethic and you have that strong work ethic, could be a great kid. Had him going to the Bears in the fourth round. Oh, wow. You're going a lot of sleepers I with them. Equiminius St. Brown in the fourth with them, and then Tavares McFadden in the fourth with them. I could have said Kyle Aletta, too. This kid's a great yeah, passer. Yeah, could have. I, I love that kid from <laughs> Richmond. The Spiders. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know your sleepers outside the first round well, for the NFL draft. And outside, like, Shaquem Griffin. Everyone knows about him. We or, didn't bring uh, up Shaquem. Or uh, Gallup from uh, Colorado State, the, yes. the, the wide receiver. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we all know about these guys. We're yeah. going to go in the deeper Or like cuts. a Christian Kirk. I think like the non, uh, he's not a sleeper. The non deepest that I went was Lorenzo Carter because he was the highest guy that either of us brought up today. Non deepest I went was Equinemia St. Brown. True, you were going a lot deeper with the sleepers than Deep I cuts, was, baby. But thank you guys for checking out the podcast today, listening full form, short form. A little housekeeping here at the end. Camera might shut off on me, but I'll keep going with it. First, if you liked what you heard, liked what you saw, check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. That link down below in the description. You also got MVP t-shirts at store link down below in the description. That's not our t-shirt, by the way. No, Just this isn't. This is Austin 316. Is Ah, the logo's up. Hey, yeah, must be Austin the money. 316. Do you think we would get hit with a copyright if we had an MVP 316 shirt? Because I don't think it's so. technically not Austin 316. Well, it was John 316 first, so the Bible might sue us before the WWE. Okay, true. But that's one thing we could do in the future. But if you want an MVP t-shirt, check out Pope that Francis link. Pope Francis is going to come after your ass with yeah, a cease the and Pope, assist. The Pope going to come after me. But if also, check out my seven full round mock draft on mostvalpodcast.com. It's also where you can catch everything for MVP each and every day. Last but not least, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you have iTunes, Make sure to give the Onside Kick and all the MVP podcasts a five-star rating. And Sean's got something to say. And I got one more plug. Uh, we're going right. to plug uh, scoops.gov. This is, uh, <laughs> this is our sponsor for today's podcast. Hashtag fake spots. It's uh, S-C-O-O-U-P-Z dot gov. Uh, new website, new brand for uh, scoops.gov. Military-grade spoons, everybody. <laughs> Go over to scoops.gov. Get your military-grade spoons. They got orange ones, blue ones, green ones, yellow ones. They also have square spoons now. You know who would, you know who would really like this? Who? The Outcast, because they Outcast. do it. They do a bit where Scoops. it's uh, fake sponsors. And yeah, we've been doing that for a while. For theirs, yeah, we've been having a good time. We've been doing that for a while. But mm-hmm. thank you guys for checking out the podcast, either on YouTube if I'm still pointing at the camera, or on podcast services around the world. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.